afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome again to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. I'm your host, Beth, and joining me is my lovely, wonderful, compassionate, talented, warm, and charming. Keep going, wow. (laughs) Splendorous. Exotic. Quixotic. Exotic and quixotic. (laughs) Co-host, the lovely, say hello to the people, Sam. Hi. I'm uh, Kayla Jenner. I don't even know her name. Sam. <laughs> Sam. What are what's her name? Kylie. Kylie. What's the Kylie. damn woman's name? I'm I'm Kylie Jenner on a on Kylie Jenner on an influencer. I got a pop up breaking news this morning on my phone. Yeah. And it wasn't about politics or the world or war or economics. It was that Kylie Jenner has a bold new look, <laughs> wherein she wears. Just her underwear and, and stockings over it, and no pants. This was my breaking news that, that popped up on my phone. Well, well, well. I need a new algorithm. <laughs> I do. Well, I just want Kylie to know that Vanity... Or Sam, by the way. Yeah, hi. Hi, Sam. Say <laughs> Sam. hello to the people, Sam. Hi, people out there. I'm glad Van- you're with us. Yes. Vanity did it first, Kylie. From uh, Vanity there were Six. many... Be- really? Mm-hmm. Right. There's a lot of people that have did it first. I just like to say it's not an attractive look. Uh, it, it may be for, I won't go there. But it, in general, it's not an attractive look. Put some, put some damn pants on. Put some goddamn pants on, people. Keep your and pants on. Live in Ohio in November. <laughs> so tonight, folks, we're doing a movie that's near and dear to us, and mm-hmm. it's almost hard to tackle because it's so near and dear to us. And that movie is The Big Chill. Directed by Lawrence Kasdan, and it came out in 1983. 83. It's a I'm, lifetime ago. That was yeah. last century. I'm actually shocked because uh, I I knew nothing about this film until I saw it on 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 the VCR. Oh, our little domicile. Yeah, you saw <laughs> our it little on, commune on, on VHS back in the day. Yeah, the, uh, our friend Bill. Yeah. Rented it. And uh, it was, you know, those weekends where we would just watch movies. Yeah. I went to the Violent Mall by myself. I remember this. I think I had a Toyota Corolla at the time. I must have been about 22. And I went by myself. I watched it, and I must have been drawn by the cast. And I'm guessing in those days probably it was William Hurt, even though we had much to say about William Hurt's later years at the time. I was I was kind of smitten with him. I made the mistake of when we were doing uh, Rosemary's Baby that I mentioned John Hurt and no, there's there's no controversy or any. We've wronged John. Hurt. We've wronged John Hurt, and I just want to reach out peace. to John Hurt, the memory of John Hurt and his family. Yes. No, no scandal was ever attached as to John Hurt. As far as we know. <laughs> as far as everyone we know. is guilty until until proven innocent. Uh, and even even we we did kind of give some context to the allegations of tumultuous relationship with Marley Menton, who, um, so I thought we gave a fair shake to that, but uh, we're sorry, John. (laughs) Sorry, John. We loved you in Alien in 1984. And the Elephant Man. And many other things. And the Elephant Man. Yeah. yeah. Wait, did he play John Merrick? He did. He did. Okay. And Anthony Hopkins, at least in the uh, David Lynch version. Yeah. I think there's another version. Yes, there is. Okay. 
Wasn't there a spoof on that called Elephant the Musical? <laughs> where, where did, I, did I just make that up or did I, I see that? I think you might have. I don't know. I don't know. There a reference to it, you know, the the absurdity of Broadway or, or something, and something's got to give with Diane Keaton and Jack. There's all kinds of minutiae that you know. Exclamation point! The musical. <laughs> all kinds of detritus rattling around out <laughs> of your <laughs> the entire chorus made up of John Merrick's and uh, just doing kicks. I don't. Ooh, okay. Oh, theater is absurd sometimes. This is, as we said, a Lawrence Kasdan film, and you you may know him from, well, The Big Chill. He also did some writing for Raiders of the Lost Ark, for some of the Star Wars films, most notably Empire Strikes Back. Let's see, what else did he did? Force Awakens, which of the the latest trilogy was my favorite one. I thought that yeah? was actually. Force Awakens was the first installment of the latest trilogy, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, his his resume is really varied and eclectic, mm-hmm. isn't it? Silverado, The Bodyguard, Wyatt Earp, The Big Chill, The Star Wars Fair, Raiders. And there's a little wink to Raiders in The Big Chill, too. And he, uh, let's see, I think he and his his partner, I don't know what kind of partner, I think just a writing partner, Barbara Benedict, began writing the story in 1980. And Lawrence Kasdan's alma mater was University of Michigan, which figures very prominently in this film. Yes, it does. And it was meant to be somewhat biographical. Mm -hmm. Um, Should we do the cast? Yeah, we should do the cast. I mean, we can mention um, another film that he's done is uh, Grand Canyon. Oh, my God, yes. A personal favorite of mine is uh, Silverado. And he is one of those uh, directors that likes to work with – yeah, he has an ensemble or a, a passel of actors that he he seems to enjoy working with. Yeah. Um, one being Danny Glover, although Glover's not in this film, but um, yeah. he is in – he was in Grand Canyon. He was also in um, Silverado. Kevin Klein yeah. is in Silverado just as he's in oh, this yeah. film. Uh, Costner was uh, the Wyatt Earp film. Costner's you know, in that, and Costner I, was I supposed to be in say this one. <laughs> Tombstone and Wyatt Earp, you know how some things sort of come out at the same time, because mm-hmm. I guess somebody's banding around scripts promiscuously, and I have to say, because of Val Kilmer, I prefer Tombstone to Wyatt Earp, but I do like Costner's work. Same. Otherwise. Same. And um, I think I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of argument from anybody there. No. I mean, Val Kilmer, he kind of made that, but and also Sam Elliott, so they, they couldn't compete with with Tombstone. No. Yeah, Tombstone's excellent. Well, we should do Tombstone. Yeah, and I know you don't like westerns, but man, that is that is. Oh no, we- because of Val Kilmer's oh, portrayal Doc of Doc. <laughs> I yeah, I can I can deal with it because of Val Kilmer. And and that's I, why I, I think you'd born to play. I think you'd love Silverado too, because I don't think you've seen Silverado, and it's I probably one of my. I, I have an westerns. emotional issue with <laughs> westerns. I don't know. I I think it's all those. You know those hairstyles in in the Big Valley and Gunsmoke. God, I love and the Big Valley. The big hair though, that isn't going to move. I don't know. So either you have big hair and you're put together well, or you're straggly and wearing a burlap sack because you've come on hard times. And there's nothing really in between those two looks. And I guess he liked. Uh, I, I'm I'm trying to think if if uh, William Hurt was in Grand Canyon. Everyone was in Grand Canyon. 
but he certainly was an accident, the accidental tourist, which Kasten yeah. also directed. And uh, gosh, is it Nora? What is her name? Nora I Ephron? can't remember. Or his co uh, co writer. The writer of a the accidental tourist. I think it got oh, a, a big prize, like one of them Pulitzers or something. Uh, so and I saw that in the movie theater. Yeah. I saw that with our friend Joy Lynn. Did she you? Drag me to take it. To drag me to watch it. <laughs> I I love the anti <laughs> They won't answer the phone. They just are very clickish and they don't much like outsiders. And I don't know. I found it very endearing. I liked the book too, by yes. the author whose name escapes me right now. Right. But but in this film, the big chill. Onto okay, the cast. Let, let me just read the cast real quick. We've got Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, Mary Kay Place, Meg Tilly, Jeff Goldblum, Kevin Klein, William Hurt, Joe Beth Williams. Who is jo Don Galloway? He must play Richard. That's he must Richard. play Richard, yeah. 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 And the the general premise is uh, these folks all knew one another, the characters, these, these actors play, back at University of Michigan in 1968, where they were involved in you know, activism and uh, social justice and protesting. a lot of great things. Right. Sorry? Protesting. Protesting. Uh, you know, all, well, all, all of those uh, good causes. Well, 68 and 69 were very tumultuous, tumultuous uh, years yeah. politically. Yes, but unfortunately, one of the, the reason they have to come together is one of their group uh, commits suicide. And his name is Alex. And in the original cut, which we'll talk about eventually, it, uh, that part was going to be played via flashback by, by Kevin Costner. But it's kind of a unique way that the suicide is, is introduced to us in the film, isn't it? It is very unique. Yeah. Uh, it, it starts with you, – you see the credits for Columbia Pictures, yeah. and you hear the sort of the voiceover – in the background, and it's a man and a little boy, little boy's yeah. voice, and maybe some splashing. And then you see yeah. Kevin Klein basically giving the, the character Harold giving his son a bath. Yeah. And very he, sweet, yeah. very endearing. He goes, Who's this? Jim, Jeremiah, goes, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> so he starts was singing Jeremiah was a bull, which is a song by Three Dog Night. And it's kind of important for this film because this, the soundtrack for this film, I think there is a, a an actual um, score somewhere in there, but but mainly the soundtrack is Motown, and uh, and it's a great soundtrack, and it's not my time, but I I remember after this movie getting the quote soundtrack to the Big Chill, which of course yeah you know <laughs> these are unique artists in their own right, but I got the soundtrack to the Big Chill and was introduced to all these, you know, Percy Sledge and Aretha Franklin and all these great artists that are on Credence also um, that are on this. I, I think my exposure to that era of music was more um, something that, you know, my parents might have listened to on AM radio or on their <laughs> console stereo and on Sundays. Yes. You know, the big console stereo. they have a Telefunken? <laughs> I don't know if it was a telephone. <laughs> but they had the big console stereo with the giant knobs, and they would turn it on. And All I remember is uh, Percy Faith and his orchestra, see, theme from a summer place, that, that yeah. always seemed to come on whenever they put the adult listening channel on. Yeah, but the, the, the adult were, listening channel. Like. Yeah, but uh, th this was the first film that really introduced me to uh, – 
Because I, I kind of missed the boat on Blues Brothers, which kind of exposes you to a lot of really good music of that era. And by the way, just to interject here a little bit, interjection, we have two dear friends who were highly into Blues Brothers, and I had never seen it till sort of way after that time. And, and I knew that people in our group were really into it at the cult level. <laughs> cult members of the Blues Brothers. If, you, if you've seen something 20 times, you might be a cult member. The soundtrack was a big deal to this film. Yeah, yeah. People made a big deal. Like you could not separate the, the, the story from the music, and I don't no. know that. And you can almost divide the film in the same way we did with Boogie Nights. You right. know, we sort of went song by song. You can pretty much do that with this film, too. Yes. Yes. But the big chill did it first. Kasten it, did it first. It's, yeah, it's it's very, um, not performative, what's the word? It's like another aspect to the movie. It is. Beyond, um, it is. You know, the only it, other film I can think of maybe is Good Morning Vietnam that uses the score or uses oh, yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah. Now, I've only seen that once way back when. But, yeah. yeah. So. Um, the house they use, uh, many, many different people have, have used this house. It's in, it's from my hometown of Beaufort, South Carolina. All the exteriors were shot there. And the interiors, many of them were shot in Atlanta. But, um, but I know this area very well, Beaufort, South Carolina. I was born there. My family's still there. In fact, I'm heading there tomorrow. And uh, it's just a beautiful, it's one of the sea islands. And if you picture South Carolina as a piece of pie with the crust facing north uh, and the little, little, you know, point of it sort of down there edging towards Georgia, you you have a bunch of low country sea islands and Beaufort is is part of that little mini archipelago. And uh, it's just, it's very, it has a very distinctive culture, a very distinctive look and uh, distinctive cuisine and there's a lot of pride down there too a lot can, of heritage pride, pride can you elaborate a little bit more because i i've been to jekyll island and i yeah. also know saint george or no saint simon yeah and a little bit about uh brunswick and and the culture on the coast there in southern georgia yeah and savannah so uh can you kind of maybe dis- make the distinction between say beaufort and charleston well, Charleston is the oldest city in South Carolina, and I think most people have heard of Charleston. And Beaufort is the second oldest. And you know that somebody is from Beaufort or knows about Beaufort because it's pronounced, or it looks like Beaufort, right? The French Beaufort, right. B-E-A-U-F-O-R-T. But locals call it Beaufort, and that's just how you say it. <laughs> Which, and, but in North Carolina, they had the audacity to have a... a a Buford up there, but they call it Beaufort instead. Philistines, so, I think. Yeah. Philistines. It's Buford. It's Buford. Established around 1711, um, and it is in the Low Country. And it's named after Henry Somerset, the second Duke of, do I say of Beaufort? I think it probably he said Beaufort, but it is Buford. And a bunch of films have been uh, shot there because of its beautiful location, Prince of Tides. And that's a Pat Conroy book, and he's a son of Beaufort, so of course it would be. The Big Chill, Forrest Gump, was shot in several places, but uh, but the shrimp boat scene and the hurricane and all that was was shot down there. Uh, G.I. Jane, I'm, I'm trying to think in my mind where on earth, but there's a great uh, marine base there, I want, Paris Island. Yes. Is, is one of those places. Where, yes, it is Paris Island. Where the military folk... 
I passed the. Uh, they have a lot of signage out by 95 about the Paris Island Visiting Center. They make a big deal about it, so it's it's yeah. hard to miss. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it's interesting to look at this movie now because oh, I you know I I moved around as a Navy brat a lot, and after the big D with my parents, we. We moved back to Beaufort because my both of my parents hailed from that area, and it looked very much like it did in this movie, unsullied by tourism. <laughs> but at the latter half of the 20th century, the latter half, I don't know, it became this uh, this open secret that it was this beautiful, beautiful historic town, and all these boutique shops and you know tourists came in. And uh, and that Bay Street is what I remember from the film and those areas. And you can still find that beauty, that history there. There's a place called The Point, and that's where most of the film is set, at Sarah, our main characters, Sarah and, and uh, Harold's house, uh, where all of these beautiful antebellum houses are preserved. There, there's a great force of, of um, preservation in the area, historic preservation. And... Uh, I don't know. If you went back in time to, say, 1968, you could probably pick one up, one of those houses up for, for a reasonable price. But now, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, lots of beautiful old, you know, ancient live oaks with, with the Spanish moss. It's just dripping with verdure and charm. And it's it's just a lovely place. I go there every time I go to Beaufort. I walk around the point in the square. My grandmother had a house there on Prince Street, Duke Street. Prince Street, King Street, and all of these different areas. So, uh, yeah, I know that house well. What's the name of the house again? Uh, it's it's the Edgar whoops, it's the Edgar Fripp House. Uh, Edgar Fripp House, um, but its its nickname is Title Home. T i d a l h o l m. Okay. And it's on a premium piece of Title River there, and uh, and there's a long dock scene. In, in the film as well that shows the backside of that. If you were to go there now, it's sort of um, back a bit. Many of the houses in that area are, you know, right right there off the road, but this one's back a bit and it's gated. And yeah. I, I think that's because probably the tourists thought, let's go see where the great Santini was shot and, and <laughs> the big chill. And the have big a look. chill, yeah. But people actually live there, normal people who, who may like to have their their lives. Their I think privacy. At the moment, that thing is up for sale, though. So if you have a cool, uh, I don't know, ten million lying about, yeah, probably about you could 10, have the big house, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's, it's really beautiful, though. All those live oaks. I mean, you could put a, a shack up, but if you're surrounded by live oaks, you've got a mansion. I think. It's very similar to what I experienced when we went to Jekyll Island. I just, yeah. I was blown away by the beauty, yeah. and the the peacefulness and the. Was it somnolence of it? There's <laughs> just yeah, something yeah. so sleepy and relaxed about that setting. It is. And, and the cool thing about Title Home is uh, also from the 30s through the 70s, it was open to a lot of artists and poets and authors and statesmen and, uh, and who else? Uh, professors. I don't know how they fit in there. But uh, just a lot of different types of people. So it was a, a creative sort of zone for many people. And uh, I think some listing ranked Buford as one of the most artistic towns in the Sea Island area. When Savannah might have something to say about that. Yeah, when you go down 95, you will miss the exit to Buford. It's almost like they know. 
They know that I think they took the tourism signs away. Like, that's enough already. We can't have any more t-shirt shops cropping up here. We had a it's thing like, oh, here. you just passed Beaufort. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the sign Don't says. let the screen door hit you on the way out, y'all. Don't really. <laughs> don't really. And they don't have the, um, when you're. When you're going down 95, you know how you have the little signs that will tell you what's at that exit, so it's yeah. gas and yeah. and and the sign that they have the signs that they have out there say nothing. You know, maybe like one gas station. And then as I as I was coming south, I was driving and I thought, I, man, I just want to, you know, stop off somewhere, maybe grab a grab a Starbucks, get something diff- decent to go. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't plan on pulling off at that exit, but then as I'm driving by my eye out of the periphery, I'm seeing like, wait a minute, they have nice infrastructure there. There's got to be nice, you know, nice places to grab something quick to eat and a, a Starbucks. And but no, there, Beaufort was not going to give up any of its secrets. It's like, no, just keep going. No, motherfucker. And, and, and there's a very <laughs> I mean, tourism brought out some good things. There's a very strong Gullah uh community and culture and um, preservation and heritage there that was taken for granted for many years and you can buy original art and uh, all sorts of things uh, you know they, they've turned that into a form of tourism which of course helps that group prosper and you have generational families there who are very proud of their their area too and it's a, it's kind of a different world if you come from the Midwest or the West or the North and you find yourself in Beaufort, South Carolina, you think, oh, these, they, they still have that accent. And they, I can do the accent a little bit, but it's, what, what the accent is, is it swallows a little bit of the vowels and it's a little softer than what you would think of when you think of Georgia or Alabama. I wanted to add just a last bit. Um, yeah. Michael, the writer and chef, Michael Michael W. Twitty, yeah. uh, his handle is Kosher Soul on Twitter. And he's, well, he won a James Beard Award for, I believe it's The Cooking Gene. Yeah. And he's also written a book, uh, Kosher Soul. Yeah. And writes A Savor of the South Cookbook. And he's he's done a lot. I, I believe he's from the area, and he's done a lot to kind of chronicle the the cooking traditions and culinary mm. traditions. And if you love food, good food, and if you love uh, food traditions and cultural food traditions, you would love his. Um, when you say anyone listening, for our Michael language? Michael W Twitty, T W I T T Y, and uh, James Beard winner. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And uh, like all places that have seen a lot of influences, you you have you have vestiges of African food, uh, so called soul food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have uh, I don't know Indian, as in the subcontinent of India, influences. You have French influence. You have a lot of different influences, and then a very stable and thriving love of all things seafood, particularly their their shrimp are to die for, and their she-crab she soup with sherries is a <laughs> thing to behold and taste. Yeah, this is the episode that we're going to drop on Thanksgiving Day, so, um, yeah. so uh, uh, I think a thoughtful nod to a yeah. very good writer and chef yeah. uh, might be worth uh, yeah. uh, exploring or dropping that. Yeah. That and and also, this, this film began production November eighth, nineteen eighty-two. So it is a November month. Yes. You know, a, a d- November movie in spirit, and also uh, I think in the time that it's set as well. 
Yes, definitely, because it's it is fall. We don't know exactly when, but there's a turkey happening. Now, which... now I've missed the turkey. <laughs> I, I remember the spaghetti. Is a turkey happening? A turkey is happening. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right. But uh, I felt the turpy, tur- turpy, the turpy. <laughs> I felt the turkey was kind of symbolic, as far as the meal. But we, am we'll I get insane? To it. When is the turkey? We'll we'll talk about it. We'll get all there. Right, all right. I've but the the film opens up because yeah. we we're going off on. Oh Beaufort. yeah, we, we were getting we're kind of in love that. with Beaufort right now. Yeah. But the film opens up with, uh, you know, the Kevin Klein character Harold. Helping his son with his bath, and they're they're playing with the little floaty toys, and the phone rings, and you just see the back of Glenn Close. She picks up the phone. She says, "Doctor Cooper." And then he's the, the Harold is just you know washing his you know behind his son's ears and telling him he's good. They're singing Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Bullfrog. And the next cut you see is is Glenn Close just you know great just acting on the threshold. Yeah, the expression just says everything. Something bad. She just got some bad news on the telephone. This is some of her best work in The Big Chill, honestly. Really one of her best films. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying that she didn't get any better as years went by. She's just a fantastic actor. She really, really is. She she is. And this phone call, of course, this tragic phone call we'll, we'll learn about, sets in motion a lot of different people preparing to yeah. convene. And what they're convening for is the death of their dear friend from university. What song is playing? Is that because this is when the this is when the credits start to roll? Uh, well, well, they um, well, gosh, I thought we didn't get our first real one till you can't always get what you want. Dun, um, dun, 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 oh, oh, heard dun, it through the grapevine. Yeah. yeah, which is really appropriate. Yeah. So, uh, so we do have. The version of uh, Marvin Gaye's version of "Heard It Through the Grapevine." Yeah, I think Credence did it as well. I'm not sure who did it first, I think but I prefer the Marvin Gaye. There. And uh, uh, they all meet up at the uh, at the Sand Hill Baptist Church. But before they get there, there's sort of a montage, I would say, of a man uh, being dressed and yes. by a woman. You see some bright red nails and nice hands, and you aren't really sure. If you don't know the story, what's happening there? Like, is this this man can't dress himself or what? But um, he's obvi- obviously being dressed nicely, and you see all of these different friends, and and they're all packing, right? Right, we're getting ready. There's a cut to Joe Beth Williams just sitting there, where she's wearing a tennis outfit at her kitchen yeah. counter. A very nice, posh, yeah, crisp, yeah. modern yeah. kitchen counter. I think I thought the thing, the scene that really surprised me was. Uh, Jeff, the get Jeff Goldblum, Michael Carey. Well, I was sitting there, but there was a reference later about his girlfriend. I thought that was his mother. <laughs> <laughs> was no. that his mother or his girlfriend? No, that's his girlfriend. Oh dear. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. so bad. But no, he looks very girlfriend. young in this, I guess. But he he's just standing there. He, he's trying to pack his uh, looks like his electronic and yeah. journalism gear. Yeah. And he, he he's struggling. Loads of batteries. Like, what could he be recording on this funeral trip? But he's and he just stop. He gets stops yeah. and he just stares, and he's very fidgety. And his girlfriend comes in from the next room and just puts her arm around him. So you know something really bad has happened. And yeah. as they're inter yeah. interweaving yeah. the preparation of the deceased, 
And there's also setting up the characters, like like uh, the Mary Kay Place character who plays Meg. Uh, they show her in a big sort of executive oh, God, yeah. office with a view, and she's obviously a, a top-tier attorney, and she's packing her briefcase with her Merit cigarettes. Do they still make those? I don't know. I don't know, but she's just peering out in this huge you know, corner office somewhere. I, actually, you don't yeah. know if she's an attorney, but you just see her tossing files into a briefcase. Yeah. Smoking inside her office. I know. That's what I noticed, too. Really? Where are the smoke alarms? But well, you know damn well okay there, are places, <laughs> there are places <laughs> on the planet where executives are still smoking in their corner office because they don't give a fuck you know, what the policy is. But she's yeah. peering out over this huge city, yeah. you know, master of the domain. Do we see Nick at this point? Maybe that's later. He's, yes, he's all into his Porsche 911 and... Uh, his little gold earring and his uh, uh, drug culture. He's he's problem child. But I don't think we see him in his home, do we? Just no, we don't. And do we see Sam? I'm curious about that. I don't think we do. So we really just see that the um, – we see Meg, who is Mary yeah. Kay Place, and then we see yeah. Joe Beth Williams. Yeah. I don't think we see anybody else. In, mixed with that, but but clearly everyone is bustling to get ready, and right. what they're getting ready for is the funeral, which mm -hmm. is down Beaufort Way in a um, uh, Vineville is is a, sort of a county over from, from yeah. Beaufort County at the Sand Hill Baptist Church, and you have the main one of the protagonists, the Kevin Klein character, sort of ushering drivers in, and you see each of these friends arrive. And they're all saying the things you say, the platitudes, I'm so sorry, you're mm -hmm. looking very fit, yeah. and being very proper at first. Very, very proper. I think Sam shows up first, and he does, does the big man hug with Kevin Klein. Uh, Kevin Klein grab, grabs his bag, and he says, here, I, uh, let me put it in the Mercedes, and, and you can – would you mind driving this to the cemetery? And Sam's just like, oh, God, no. You know, yeah. Like, don't remind me. He's really yeah. having a hard time. He is, and he's he's a very sympathetic character. They all are. That's that's what's so wonderful about yeah. this ensemble. But there's a great scene in the church. It's you know it's not filled to the brink, but but obviously there were some friends there, and you get little looks between people oh God, yeah. like Karen and and Sam, two of the the Joe Beth uh, Williams and and the Tom Berenger character, like oh hey, um, you know that sort of spark yeah. of recognition from the days of youth. Sam Sam sits down and he's on one side of the the aisle. Mm. Joe Beth Williams is on the other side of the aisle, and you see him sit down and he looks across the pews. Yeah. And he just kind of does does this little wave, and then all of a sudden you see this head peer forward. Yes. Yes. Behind Joe Beth Williams, and it's her husband, and he just kind of like sits back, like oh, okay. scowling just, and just uh, saying hello uh, there. Uh, but but there was definitely a flirty vibe, like. Hi. Like, hi, uh, how are you doing? There's a little levity there, right, until mm -hmm. the reverend. And I forgot to write this man's name down, but I thought he did a really good job, the guy who plays the reverend. Yes. Yes, he did. It was really heartfelt. It was really good. It was really good. There, there's so much going on setting the pieces on the board for this film in, in yeah. the uh, the church scene. Yeah. We see Michael come – you know, Michael is being brought in by – Harold, and he's like, yes. uh, I'm, I need to sit, seat you with Chloe. 
Oh God! And yeah. Mike's like, Michael's like, okay. And, and now, I Chloe love... is is played by Meg Tilly, and she's <laughs> the very much younger girlfriend of four months of the deceased Alex. Michael is on the make at all times. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Michael is on the make at all times. But yes. he's honest. <laughs> he, he is very he's an overt. honest cad. He is an honest one, <laughs> an honest dog. He is. And um, but the Reverend, he he says he doesn't know. He didn't know Alex, but he had spoken to his friends and felt like he knew him. And then he gets very emotional. He says a brilliant scholar from the University of Michigan, and and. He says, I don't, and he talks a little bit about hope, mm-hmm. and he says something with great effect, not affect, but effect, effect. Um, I don't know what to do with my anger. Where did Alex's hope go? And it's said with such conviction, and then there's a sort of pan around the pews, and he's getting to the friends as well. There had been some levity, and, and, and now they're kind of sobered like, Jesus, that's our friend in that casket up there yes even michael what did happen yeah even michael even michael who the minute he sees chloe is like he just kind of pats kevin klein yeah. carrot and is like i've got this you know he's, yeah. he's the very i know attractive and she's oblivious she's young. just really oblivious to his attentions <laughs> and he just sits down you know slimy snaking up to her and yeah. uh the the joe beth williams character and then don't forget uh, meg's character comes in and she sits in the back by herself. Yes. yes. And Nick is Nick. We're introduced. That's how by, we meet Nick, right? He's yeah. he's cruising in last. He's late yeah. and just late. sort of screeches to a halt in the parking lot in his Porsche. In and his Porsche with his uh, uh, corduroy wa- jacket. Corduroy jacket, washed out paint job on the on the Porsche. Porsche's really seen better, washed out. better days. Yeah, and after the Reverend is finished, Harold, um, and the situation is Harold and Sarah have this great property that we just talked about in, in the point, this house, and they had allowed Alex, their dear friend, to sort of work on another house and, and sort of make it his own old tin roof cabin that's very um, prevalent in this area, low country area. And then Harold goes up to, to deliver the eulogy, and he says, I did know Alex. And he's trying to get through this eulogy, but, but he sort of breaks down. Yeah, he just on. can't. He, he's just – he's beside himself. And uh, and I think then we cut to sort of uh, – well, I guess Joe Beth hurts uh, – yeah, Joe Beth well, – I always get the the, hurt, yeah. the Joe Beths mixed up. Karen. The her name Joe is Karen Beth, in, the, in the film. Karen. Let's just call her Karen. Karen and um, Richard. The Reverend says, and now Karen will play one of Alex's favorite songs. She goes to the church organ and begins a churchy version of You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. And here begins our musical journey as well. Yes. And it's a wonderful transition as people are making their way out and they're loading the casket because it transitions from the organ music to the Stones version of You Can't Always Get What You Want. And that plays for a pretty long time, I think. I I think think that's a pretty – that sequence – where she's playing on the church organ, and then you see the the procession of cars, and they they yeah. you see the backdrop of Beaufort. I'm assuming yeah. that's Beaufort. I was oh, going to Beaufort. ask you, where you see the motorcycle yeah. and and the motorcade behind it. Yeah, is that Beaufort? That that's Beaufort as well. They're they're crossing the J. E. McTeer Bridge, who was the sheriff of the Low Country and, and quite renowned. Had been a sheriff there for 37 years. That was that was a bridge named after him. They do pass uh, an old. 
Civil War or maybe even pre-Civil War era. I think pre-Civil War era ruins called Old Old Sheldon Church at some point. But I it's wondered not credited about in that. It. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think more 17-somethings. And, uh, and actually, my, my father was a curator for that and uh, for a very long time. Those ruins are protected. And uh, it's it just all very Beaufort to me. The marshland that they're, they're – if you know the low country at all, that salt marsh, those tidal, tidal areas are just uh, their home. They're, the gravity is right, and it's beautiful. That uh, yeah. those ruins, I've seen those ruins before, also on Jekyll Island. Yeah. The tabby yeah. construction. There's this. Yeah. Um, it's it's like an early form of cement that they're using the sand and the mud and yeah. making basically a primitive form of concrete to build these these structures. Yeah. It's fascinating. Now there there is brick work in this and, and uh, colander work, but but a lot of that as well. The cement work is worked in there as well. And um, for this pu- funeral procession. Um, who rides with whom? Let's see. Michael is already uh, hitting on he- heavily on Chloe, and and let's see. Are, are Michael? That's right. Michael, Sam, and and Chloe. Chloe are in the car together. The Mercedes, yeah. And there's a priceless exchange. Poor Chloe doesn't know anything. She's just such an innocent. Mm-hmm. So she's asking them about themselves, and and you get the gist, right? right? Because Michael works for People Magazine and writes these very short, pithy, and pretty superficial pieces. And Sam has, what we learned, sort of sold out to Hollywood. And it, what, what's his show? J.T. Lancer. It's one of these. <laughs> yeah. he, is, he is like... Magnum P.I. type he shows. He is a parody in this film of Tom Selleck. That's yes. It. Yeah. Yes. And Magnum P.I. The thump... The, oh, yeah. The whole thing. And But, but he is... He's he's all humility if he's not in L.A. He he's just not a fit for L.A. I, I feel for him. And so you see them in the one car. Yeah. Michael's in the back. Yeah. And, and Sam is driving because he said he would for Harold and Chloe's yeah. sitting in the front. And uh, she's like, I just wish I really wanted to ride up there. Well, well Michael says, are you okay? And she says, I'm a little disappointed. And they're all, the men are looking all concerned. And then she admits, she says, I wanted to ride up there. I, I've always wanted to ride in a limousine. So that sort of sort of shows her, her level. <laughs> you know? Well, she, initially, and they both look at each other, Michael, Michael and um, Michael and Sam just kind of look at each other like, okay, wow, that's pretty superficial. But yeah, but uh, we find out later that that's that's not exactly the case, yeah. and and in the other car that we We've, we yeah. have an intimate knowledge of is <laughs> I loved when John Hurt, not John Hurt, William Hurt, Nick walks Meg out. Oh. I, I love actually the whole thing that leads up to him and Meg, because he I, goes yeah <laughs> he goes up to Joe Beth Williams character Karen, yeah and Karen's like this is Richard my husband Richard and he goes hello. And and Richard goes, oh, you know, Karen's told me so much about. It. He's like, and he said, I just met Meg, and he goes, oh, can I go? <laughs> he sees yeah, Meg he, and he, he, he he sizes Richard up immediately. And when Richard meets Sam, he says, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. We're big fans. My boys and I watch your show every. We, we he doesn't know when the show is. Uh, we watch it all the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's just and he says to uh, to Karen, his wife. Boy, these people are nothing like you've described, oh, and I, I'd hate to hear how you do. He's just a nasty, negative. For folks that have been listening to our show, 
um, for a while. Yes. We've mentioned before that we, we try to have this annual get-together yes. with friends of ours that we've known since high school and or, yes. or at least since our early, early, early adult years. Yes. And, and he says to her, they look nothing like you've talked about. He goes, huh, I wonder what, I, you know, what they must think How of you me. describe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's clearly threatened and, you know, she's she's. You know, he doesn't know about this life. Threatened or does he just – he's like, these people are a joke. You know, you yeah. made them sound like gods. <laughs> yeah. He, he he doesn't know the magic of, of that bonding during their University of Michigan days, you know, in yeah. 68 of all times. And that's there's a nice, um, a nice shot that's, that's uh, where they, the uh, procession arrives at the cemetery, and I do not know which cemetery that was. Um, but it's of the door. All the cars stop and the doors sort of opening at the same time. I and love people that. Stepping out. In general, the cinematography didn't give me the wow factor, like say Run Lola Run or, or some of the mm -hmm. more art housey films that we've we've covered. But but I thought that was one of the the standout shots. There are scenes that are just absolutely the vision of it. You know, it, it's it's just ingrained in your mind once you see it. And yeah. and one of them is all of those car doors opening at once. Now, Nick and Meg, Nick is in the Porsche with Meg, and, um, and he, he has a little drug business going on, and, and he has all kinds of things, and he gets Meg stoned while, while they're en route to the cemetery, and I, I think it's priceless when everyone's heading toward the right place, but Meg is stoned, and she sort of walks away, <laughs> and he has to kind of like, no, 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 you know, this way, turn her around, this way, sweetie, and, and, their conversation. and so they end up at, yeah. On the way there, they, yeah. The, when he get, she's oh, like, oh, the last she's, time she's, I spoke she's blaming herself. She's right. she's saying, you know what? I sh I should have talked to Alex more. We had a fight last time we spoke, and in this wry, dry way, the William Hurt character Nick says it's probably why he killed himself. And there's a lot of this, this sort of understated, but you know, bring it back to reality, kind of kind of dialogue. Very. Says, uh, what did you cynical. fight about? Yeah. And she says. I said he was wasting his life, <laughs> you know, so there's, <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah, very cynical. Yeah, I, I love the reception. It's a beautiful reception. And, in fact, Michael, who is played by Jeff Goldblum, says, what an amazing tradition. They throw a great party for you on the one day they know you can't make it. <laughs> so um, so there, there's a lot of, you know, there are children running around. There's a lot of food. It's a beautiful, beautiful home, you can tell inside. In the reception scene, you get the sense that the whole community or neighborhood kind of came out for yeah to support the family. Yeah. And uh, during this party, uh, there are a lot of little – you know, this film has a lot of cuts, cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth to get different, I don't know, sound bites or conversations or snippets. And you see a little shot of Chloe, who is so very young, and she's giggling with some age mates. Um, and and – and Sarah and and Meg are sort of looking at this saying, my God. And and Sarah says to Meg, who is stoned, right, can you believe it? She's stoned at his funeral. <laughs> and Meg just looks like, just doesn't say a word, like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, she's like shoving food in her mouth, trying to discreetly, like, <laughs> cure her munchies. Yeah. Uh, Michael is stuck with cynical Richard on the stairwell for some time and looks like he'd just like to run away, but he's trapped. 
Richard yeah. has nothing but negative things to say about the world. And uh, I don't know if Karen it's negative or just yeah. pragmatic, but go on. Yeah. And then there are cuts to different couplings, right? Like Karen and Sam, Sam being the actor, uh, uh, Tom Berenger, and uh, Karen being Joe Beth Williams. And they clearly have an old torch that, that burns. I think hers burns str- more strongly for him than, than vice versa. I think for Kasdan, uh, the writing in this film is so good because he very quickly builds the intimacy and the the um, the degree to the way their relationships are kind of connected. And yeah. um, I want to say by the – by that, by the reception, you know that Karen, Karen kind of had a thing for because she was wondering back at the the church. She actually wonders where Nick is. Yeah. So you know she first has this connection with Nick. She's kind of yeah. like acknowledges the flirtation from Sam, but Nick is yeah. the one she really wants to see. Yeah. Then. Um, and, and she's later the one he she first seeks out for her mm-hmm. mission. So that's interesting. At the reception. You see the connection between Meg, Sam, and Nick. Yeah. She yeah. says she's like, "This is the guy. This is the guy that did this to me." She's point, you know, takes her thumb and she sticks it yeah. towards Nick, and Sam's like, you know, she's like, "I can't. I got to learn how to be stoned again. I can't. I can't yeah. be stoned. Handle my I pot." I no anymore. longer know how to handle myself while stoned. <laughs> you know, and and Nick says, "You don't have to handle yourself. You know, we just lost our friend to suicide." And, yeah. um, but but also not not only that no matter what this is a circle of trust here these these are friends who would right. who do we, we we find out later you know cover and trust and we'll do anything for each other there's that great line when when Karen is with Sam yeah. Sam's like well my divorce you know the very first thing he says to her is he talks about his divorce and she said oh so we're being honest Oh, Another, so we're telling the truth. Yeah, so or yeah, that's it. Oh, so we're telling. Right? We're yeah, cut that shit right away. Yeah, I thought that's a brilliant. That's a brilliant way to write that. Like we're yeah. so close, really, yeah. on one level. Yeah. That we know when we're bullshitting each other, but we know when we we just want to be real with each other. And I thought that was just yeah. a great touch as far as yeah. writing goes. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if this is out of sequence yet, but I think next we get a. a what what I think has become a trope because I know the same the same uh, device is used in Midnight of the Garden of Good and Eden with uh, John Cusack. You have Michael on the phone with his editor, we presume, and he he says, "We've got everything. It's all about hope. It's all about <laughs> Lost and, hope. you know, I can write a big story out of this. You know, this place is amazing." And and we do get the journalists on the phone trope in a few movies, I think. I think you're right. I think you've hit on something there. Yeah. So then scene, uh, making room at Sarah and Harold's beautiful and very large home for everybody, right? right. Everyone decides to stay there. Uh, everyone unpacking, uh, you know, making beds. And significantly, Karen and Richard, Richard the outcast, <laughs> uh, are given the kids' room. They're twin beds, and Sarah says, should I push them together? And she makes it clear that she doesn't want them pushed together. And she says, how about further apart then? (laughs) And that's that's pretty significant. Yeah. Sarah is great. She's like the, my, you know, easily your favorite character when you're watching this film. Sarah is is a rock. And Nick is given, I think, an attic room. And poor Jeff Goldblum, who must be the tallest of all of them, is given a little boy's airplane bed. (laughs) (laughs) We were joking. 
And I said, you're Jeff Goldblum because he bring. <laughs> you see them unpacking. Um, it's very They're each fun. making their little niches their own. And we just right. experienced this, didn't we, yeah, when we, we had our reunion? You, you, you take out all your things and you arrange them on the bedside <laughs> table like how you're going to do. And you see an awful lot of hair dryers for the men. And in one previous day, Sam slept in an airplane, but not an airplane, a race car bed. A race car. I was I was the Michael <laughs> character because I had to sleep in a little boy's race car. But and and also you joke about how much underwear you bring. <laughs> I, I do. For a travel. week that requires thirty, but I At do not bring a, a, How many condoms did he have packed? Like like I well, don't we know, know what you he don't was expecting at a funeral, but um, that was hilarious that he brought batteries, like, underwear, condoms. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. And he's got a girlfriend at home. He does. But, a, but he's a, ready. Apparently a wonderful girlfriend, we find out yes. later. Teaches fourth grade in Harlem and, and, and stuck with their old activist ideals of the, you know, of the mm-hmm. 60s. And you see everyone just sort of put their books, their pictures, their Maylocks. Their, Richard has Maylocks, which is very telling. <laughs> each each all, all sort of vignette kind of puts everybody in their place like okay this is what richard's about this is what michael's about this is what do we do we see meg's space i'm not sure the, yeah we see the crucifix up on the wall it's Did so she put weird that there? i thought that was in it, the... it might have been in there but we, she's just very uh meg is very square on one level it looks like she's almost kneeling but then she uh in front of it and then she opens her briefcase and that yeah. covers it so i'm like was that there they don't seem Catholic. yeah she doesn't she doesn't believe in god that's she a big thing to bring on the airplane a couple okay. couple of times she says she's you know sort of basically atheist and she does have that i went to catholic school uh you know fallen catholic uh, she definitely has her. a fallen catholic vibe to her yeah. um i love the scene where before all of this unpacking starts yeah, we see Nick underneath the the his Porsche, <laughs> and Richard yeah. goes, hey, "You got a Willie here? You want want me to help you with anything?" Yeah, he's now he comes out with a little tin box or whatever. He's like, "No, it's I got a it." Stash box. <laughs> I think yeah. I think I've got it fixed. So you know, and uh, Nick's yeah, got with him. and just sort sort of pats him like you're really not needed and and walks away. Mm. He he's got no time for Richard, and then Michael. I think it's evening by now. And mm-hmm. Michael checks on Chloe, and he's not really concerned. Chloe, boy, is she have a nice figure. Um, <laughs> this is Meg Tilly. And she comes out in sort of a little, it's not meant to look sexy. It's something you'd sleep in, your underwear and a T-shirt, right? A little tank top, form-fitting. And Michael says, just checking on you. And he's majorly hitting on her. Mm-hmm. And she just says, thanks, Michael. And then shuts the just door shuts as he's about to. Right <laughs> yeah. She's absolutely she's, oblivious to yes, his overture. She's oblivious. To it. She's there. She's a real innocent. Um, I write something about love. Starts. I know something about, about love. love. Um, I think it's the Shirelles. Is it the Shirelles? And, and that's what's playing, I guess, when everyone's making their their little rooms their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a, a very serious, and I think this is the Oscar moment. Uh, you uh, you see the, the camera is winding through her bedroom and yes. into the master bath. Yeah. And you hear her crying first, and then you see her sitting on in the shower on the on the ground crying. Yeah. And I think she did joke about that later, like, yeah, that was my Oscar moment, crying in the shower. But, but she um, it, it is very effective and very heartfelt. <laughs> it is. Everyone else is kind of uh, a little bit boisterous. They're all together again. Yeah. But the Glenn Close's character, um, Sarah, is sitting in the shower and just bawling her eyes out. She's devastated yeah. by this loss. She, she is. 
and and we learn why she would be closer to that in a bit. Uh, we have a music change, which I'll note: whiter shade of pale. Purple mm, harm. Mm. Uh, how's that begin? Now I can't remember. It's the organ. Do, do, do. I can't. Yeah. It's a it's a classical piece, and I should have looked that up that it took from. But um, everyone's Triple getting comfortable in the living room. <laughs> I was feeling so um, everyone's sort of moving into the living room and making themselves very comfortable. They're obviously very, you know, uh, the Karen character sitting on the couch and Harold jumps down on the couch and puts his feet in her lap. And, you know, these people are very comfortable with one another. They're, you know, yeah. Sam, the actor, big deal in Hollywood. He's sitting on the floor cross-legged. You know, everyone's. They're catching up. Yeah, they're catching up. Basically, what are what what have they been doing the past, you know, ten, fifteen years? And music is playing, and Michael complains, like, "Do you have any music from this century?" And Harold says, "Only this music in my house. This is yeah. the best music." Yeah. So, uh, and so we we get that Motown soundtrack all through. Well, the, not just the Motown, but the 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 rock of the time too, that would have been very popular with them. Yeah. So, um. We we hear Meg talking about how so there I am in Philadelphia rep representing these dirt bags <laughs> yeah and how she you know she came across this one client because yeah. you know when they all left school they had these ideals yeah when they all left the University of Michigan social justice activism yeah. right uh, communal property you know all of the all of those I'm just looking at my thing all of those great great values and uh and after college they they found that they had to earn a living and well <laughs> earn a living but then they realized that their idealism doesn't exactly match up with the real world in yeah. meg's case she's defending yeah. a guy that she knows is guilty and who's a, yeah like brutally violent guilty yeah. of a crime Michael has aspirations for being a writer, and he ends up with people writing a, a right. piece that's as long as the average crap, as he puts it, <laughs> another way, I think. And Sam is sort of confessing to everyone there that this is really his safe group out in L.A. He doesn't know who he can trust. He right. always feels like somebody wants something from him, and he speaks of the superficiality out there. Meg, of course, has told us about these absolute, you know, scum of the earth people she has to uh she has to represent in court and uh what what does kevin klein's character say to that harold says something like well some of them are scum well you know yeah some of them are scum. yeah harold's an interesting character in that yeah. he, he kind of comes across a little bit more conservative than everybody else and I do wonder, uh, is his opening – I'd love to see a prequel to this, for example, <laughs> like what happened in 1960. And uh, he does have a bit of a southern uh, – a really southern great Carolina drawl there. Yes, he does. Really slight, but it's there, so you wonder, okay. He pulls it off. From this area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and didn't do it over the top, which I think a lot of actors kind of do when they have to do a southern accent. We also and, find out that he yeah, – um, what was it? I forget who asked him, were you here when it happened? He was talking about Alex's yeah. suicide. And he goes, no, we were up yeah. in the house, up at the house in Richmond. So he's got two houses. He's got, 
yeah. a house in Richmond, and there's a he gets Alex is staying down here with Chloe. Yeah. Now, now he runs a small business, which we'll talk about uh, a thriving bus- business, um, and uh, and she's a doctor. Yes. So you know they've. Uh, I guess we used to call them yuppies, right? Uh, I don't know if there's that term still anymore, but uh, they've all they've all basically made it. Yeah. Um, I don't know Detroit. Uh, Joe Beth Williams is from Detroit. We don't know yeah. where her husband works, but yeah. we figure he's some sort of an executive. And he, they're driving, yeah. I think, the caddy. Yes, he's done well, and she's married into that. She's the only one that sort of went the, I guess, the traditional route. Yeah, married out of college. I mean, Sarah, the Kevin Klein and Glenn Close character, yes, they've decided to have a family and a very conservative sort of lifestyle and a very set one. Nick is a lost soul. He played by William Hurt and apparently deals drugs for a living. <laughs> and Michael works for People Magazine. And Sam is this sort of small-time but big-time. Big t- what big would the equivalent be? I well, he'd, he'd be Tom Selleck. William he'd Shatner be the, show. <laughs> he'd be Tom Selleck, the, yeah. you know, uh, sexiest man alive type guy. Yeah, yeah. He's and, definitely and not made. feeling it, like doing photo shoots, but feeling like this is a sham. Oh right. my God, my life is a sham. I was that person in 1968 at University of Michigan, and now look at me. We find out that they all kind of made it, except yeah. for Alex. And you get the yeah. feeling that Alex was probably the most talented or gifted. A genius. Yes. Uh, a genius in physics, and uh, and. And you you hear from the reverend that he he took a series of, of seemingly meaningless odd jobs. He's he's got this great gift, but construction worker and just just various things that weren't in his field and did not pursue academia. And this this first night, they kind of talk about how they had lost touch with him. You know, yeah. what's he doing? Sam's like, what, what's he doing being a case manager? Yeah, case manager, a job. social worker, construction. What's that yeah. about? What's what was that all about? Yeah. And but they do waffle a bit. They say, "Well, Michael says I, I tried to reach out to him many times. He he did not make himself available." And uh, and so the the Kevin Klein slash Harold character and the Glenn Close slash Sarah character they're the closest to Alex. And there's also been a lifelong, uh, at least emotional romance between Sarah and. And Alex, now we, deceased. We, we don't find that out until the next morning. The the, yeah. the way the first evening kind of closes is uh, Sam starts talking about he hates the reason why they're all together. You yeah. know, Glenn Close has just come out of the shower from crying. Yeah. So she comes in, <laughs> and uh, she sits on the edge of the couch next to her husband and says, yeah. this this is a familiar set. Well, this is certainly a familiar scene. In other words, they've yeah. probably been sprawling around in, in old old apartments you know, yeah. or dorm rooms before, yeah. Yeah. and you know, off-campus apartments, and and then uh, Sam brings that up, and she's like, "I'm going to go to bed," and he's like, "I'm sorry, you know, I shouldn't have brought it up," and uh, and she's always gracious yeah. with a smile. She she's not sort of storming off like I'm not going to talk about Alex. She just says, "No, no, no, I'm I'm just tired. It's a long day," and so she's always the gracious, the just the picture of graciousness. And Meg kind of disappears. Meg goes upstairs to Nick first And we night. don't know the deal yet. We haven't been told, <laughs> right? Yeah, we don't know what's going on with, with but Meg. But you know why I love this scene? Because 
friends that you truly love would be this gentle with you. Yeah. She <laughs> she wants to do something, and I don't think we're told yet, but she makes it very clear that she would like to have sex with, with Nick. And she sits on his lap, and um, and he says, sweetheart, sweetheart, and sets her aside, and he says, did I ever tell you what happened to me in Vietnam? And we yeah. we understand that, you know, his his pieces have been blown away, and uh, he's yeah. not able. So we learn Nick has gone to Vietnam. Yeah. And we also learn um, – what there was well, we also learn about Nick's addiction. So. Yes, just, just before how Meg the comes up, he's snorting lines. Yeah, and, uh, and puts that away when he hears her coming up. Yeah. I commented to you like, man, William Hurt plays that just right. He he's yeah. got the the little tray out, and he's yeah. doing his lines of coke. Yeah, and he hears the sound, but he doesn't freak out. He just very calmly just calmly takes puts it, it away, puts it in and, the drawer. Yeah, he's a he's a pro. And he's like, hey, what's up? And <laughs> I love that nobody is sort of sexed. Probably the most fuss, the fussiest woman there is is the Joe Beth Williams mm-hmm. character, who's, you know, always going to be dressed to the nines. But everyone is very casual, in that early '80s way. We are tipped off though that Harold likes that bathrobe for some reason. Yes, that's his <laughs> the sexy bathrobe, and she's wearing uh, Sarah's bathrobe. Yeah, Sarah's laundry. Kevin sexy. Klein likes yeah. Harold. And and you hear right you you cut from did you did I ever tell you what happened to me in Vietnam to the folks downstairs and you hear a scream and at first you think she's screaming because of, <laughs> I don't know that information yes but th- then we have the bat scene so up in the attic where Nick is Nick's bedroom is is uh, a bat has gotten in and uh, and it's it's a very sweet serve like let's all get together and you know conquer the bat. You know it's what you'd do, like are they rabbit? Oh my god! And yeah. um, uh, you get a sense of humor and bonding. Yeah. Nick goes, it's quiet. It's too quiet. Yes. <laughs> He's holding, the, clutching and, the pillow, terrified. Yes. And Harold sneaks up on Sam, who's just highly alert to find this bat, and does the blah, you know, on the back of him <laughs> to, to make him jump. And you know, it's just the fuckery you do with people. You know, <laughs> very and, much. And, you know, Harold, Mr. Competency, right? He's like, well, yeah. let's just let him on out, and then two more come flying in. Yeah. So. Now it's an even match. Yeah. So. Yeah. Then you have a, um, a sort of scene change, and Nick is clearly, you know, very high and watching an old film. <laughs> Looks like an old film noir. And Sam comes in and says, what you watching? And he says, I don't know. Who's in it? I don't know. What's happening? I don't know. So the guys with the hats a, are doing bad things or something. Like yeah, that. I think and they all got hats bad, on. And the hat did something bad. But but they're just so so uh, so. Then they decide they're hungry and they're going to go into the kitchen, raid the fridge, and who's there? But Richard, right? Mm. He's sitting there eating his Dagwood sandwich, and uh, he's just a piece of work, isn't he? Well, I don't know. I find myself kind of agreeing with Richard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he complains about work. He complains. He says he has insomnia a lot, but he kind of enjoys it because it's the one peaceful time he gets with the kids running around and all of life's demands and his work. And the guys are – Sam and, and Nick are kind of looking at each other like, we don't know how to communicate with you, but we're listening. Yeah. Um, but then he said – and that's – you know. Uh, what that says something about Alex, I guess, and and you think, oh God, he, he's mentioned Alex. That's maybe crossing a line, 
But he says, uh, Richard says, nobody said it was going to be any fun. At least they never told me that. Right. So he's disenchanted. Uh, he's disenchanted. He's a workaholic. Yeah, he's a workaholic. Yeah. And Karen, he's like, yeah, I don't sleep. I haven't slept well for years. Karen doesn't even know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Karen and he's he's just got no joy. Uh, it's duty. He's very duty bound, and he's disenchanted, and uh, and pretty just square and vanilla, and uh, and probably doesn't know his wife's deepest desires or or values. My she, opinion of this is always like once you have kids, I'm sorry guys, all bets are off. <laughs> You can't have it all. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you, well, <laughs> you I don't know. Can't. I think Sarah and I mean, Harold can, have worked it out. They love their kids, but they, you know, seem happy and, and able to be themselves as well. I I just feel that there there are some things in this film that, that at first blush, first few times seeing them when I was younger. I, I saw them one way, and now that I'm actually older than the people in this film, and I, I'll admit yeah. that, um, yeah. that I, I'm like, and you're, you're kind of, I don't know, some, some aspects to some of you are kind of jerky. Yeah, it's, it's an odd thing to see this in your early 20s, and you're looking up to yeah. these people who are sort of mm, mid, mid-30s or up, yeah. and you're thinking, okay, they've got some wisdom there, yeah. and then you reach that level. At some point, it, and say okay. To right. have everything, you, it takes a lot of adaptation, I think, and it, it takes does. a lot of. In in college, bilateral and university generosity. Kids, it's a very it's a very rarefied bubble, isn't it? Yes. But you get the sense. Look, if if Sarah made it through medical school, then obviously Harold had to make some sacrifices, and vice yeah. versa. If he's going to build a a twenty seven store business because he has 27 was it 26 or 27 small shoe stores I, I don't know the number but he's had to work hard to do that so you know that they each probably had to there was a lot for the other and yeah. and you know held it together and and um i believed her as a doctor i believed him as as a businessman you know he did um, there, there's a beautiful shot that comes up next and just gives me feelings mm. because I know this street very well. It's called Bay Street, and it runs all the way around the town center from the point where uh, where the uh, Kevin Klein, Harold, and Sarah's house is, um, straight up around Bay Street and the water and all these antebellum homes and beautiful old live oaks with mossy trees. And my grandmother actually actually had a house right on Bay Street there. But they're running through the town center, such as it is. It's a very small town center. And it's a foggy, beautiful shot. It is. Very foggy. And I note that Kevin Klein's shorts are very short. They're extremely short. I just short. wonder what happened to the jogging shorts that make sense like that. That makes much more sense than the long shorts that people... Jogging. I think you just like looking at Kevin Klein's legs. Yeah. Now he had some nice looking legs, and he, <laughs> we, we find out that he's in the in the athletic shoe business, and he's with Nick, and Nick is not dressed at all for jogging. He's just looks like somebody who has never jogged in his life. But he's, you know, uh, but but Harold wants to take Nick out uh, for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he he doesn't approve of Nick's lifestyle and and thinks he's on the road to ruin. And so he he tells Nick that a large conglomerate is about to buy his his company, and that anybody with stocks in his company is going to triple that. And 
um, he also tells Nick that he's breaking about 18 to 21 rules with the Security Exchange uh, Commission. And uh, for, I guess, would that be inside trading, I guess? Yeah, yeah he's uh, sharing some insider information. Yeah, which which a is big, a big, no, but big do you trust no, Nick no. enough to know that that would go to the grave with him, right? Mm-hmm. There's and, a lot of uh, – um, on the surface, you like all these people, but they're like, eh, there's a little duplicity here. I, I, you know, yeah. I, there's some stuff about it that – You'd tell your, your dearest friend you want out of the drug business, wouldn't you, to get him settled? Well, I'd say fuck the law over that. Uh, yeah. I'm Big Brother. I, I have no assets or or ambitions. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But I I found I found Nick's attire hilarious. This is the yes. gold sweatshirt that he apparently has tucked in his jeans. Yeah, and and the little gold <laughs> earring in the left ear. You know, the that just doesn't do anything for anybody. But I, I'm glad that trend went away. I was like, you can't run in those shoes. I'll get you some good shoes. <laughs> yes, which becomes a very important thing. And by the way, they pass a store called Lipsits, and that's where I got my very first trainer bra. <laughs> the Lipsits were a Jewish family that lived in the Deep South. And uh, if you read ever read Pat Conroy's Beach Music, um, there it's it's sort of a, a Romana clef, and and many uh, known families are, are mentioned in that and would be known by Beaufort folk. But uh, but they had a minor bird there, I remember, and that minor bird spoke fluently. He, mm. he was a thing to behold. But they, they sort of sold, you know, everything from tap shoes to, you know, training bras to, you know, Buster Browns to, you know, all of those sorts of things. And they were an institution there. And, and that just gave me feelings when I saw that. I saw that there was an old movie theater there, you know, just the the marquee and that doesn't exist anymore and it looks sort of like wow where are the shops and uh in that street if you go down there today it's it's very boutique-y and yay Beaufort Beaufort living <laughs> Beaufort shirts Beaufort Beaufort carriage rides <laughs> we <laughs> story uh, Beaufort <laughs> okay we hear something very interesting though the story as, as yes. Nick and Nick and uh Harold are are running Harold shares with Nick, and, and and what's interesting to me, Sam, is they all seem to know about the affair. Yes, yes, that's the impression I got as well. And yeah. Harold, no there. Harold just says their affair, meaning Alex's and his wife, <clears throat> had been going on. I think since Ann Arbor, they they, they their, had their emotional year. passion, yeah. not. And it hadn't been consummated until what he says something like five years ago. Yeah, it was five years ago. It was only. And, a few and what's times. very touching, I thought, is he said it hurt me, but I think it almost hurt them more than it hurt me. Right. They were just so guilty that this big burning thing had finally happened. And, uh, and we get a little bit more insight on that on that relationship, yeah. Yeah. on that affair, which I thought was pretty interesting yeah. too. There are a lot of morning scenes where everybody gets their coffee. Yeah. And this kind of reminded me of some of our, my, our, my, our reunions. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite one is is the next day, the morning the next yeah. day. But on yeah. on this first day that they wake up, uh Sam Sam and Karen go off and do grocery shopping. They joke about, yes. "Well, if I was married." And she's like, "If we were married, I'd be doing all the grocery shopping." In other words, you'd yes. stick me. Yes. They're the bickering, but, and they're they have a list, but then they're like 
the others have no self-control. I think we better get this cherry fudge ice cream. Well, yeah. Get this, this other one, too. So they're just filling the cart up, which you would do, right? You'd yeah. Do you find Richard out. leaves, by the way, before yeah, Richard, this. Richard like, yeah. leaves in his uh, Cadillac. And it, it is funny, just all the comings and goings. We, yes. we know that Richard's left. We know that Sam and, and Karen are going to go grocery shopping. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, I love the scene where Michael Michael wakes up and – Glenn Close is just staring at the refrigerator. He goes, you know, you got to keep keep your eye on these all the time. <laughs> yes. They both stare. And he asks, you know, what happened with uh, Richard? Did he leave? And Sarah says, if you're going to wake up this late, you're going to miss a few mini dramas. And he says, well, I hope you'll wake me if really, anything really ugly happens. Um, <laughs> and, they, uh, they do seem to have this weird connection, the two of them. Yeah, yeah. This imperfect connection, because he's not happy that my that uh, Harold offers, you know, for him to stay. She seems to grudgingly have a soft spot. Oh, for I Michael. think it's just for a nanosecond, and once it's yeah. in, she's all in. Yeah, you know, uh, it it just seems like a lot. Imagine making how many are there? Uh, it's a lot of beds to make up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where are we gonna put them all? Yeah. So uh, the, then, go ahead with the. Uh, you get a, a lot of scene cuts to to different couplings, like uh, you know Sam and Karen going grocery shopping, or uh, Sarah and Michael in the kitchen, and then you get a, a shot of Sarah and Meg, and Sarah's on the phone with one of her kids, and she's sort of scolding her, but in a you know very nice maternal way, and says the line, "Well, when you're a mother, you can be mean," you know that's yeah. Thing. Then she confesses to Meg, like, oh, my God, I can't believe what comes out of my mouth sometimes. You know, that's not me, but I'm saying these things. Cut, um, cut to the – we know that uh, Nick is on the couch. He's discovered the camera, right? Yes, and what a camera and setup. I'm thinking, you know what, I don't think I could put that together today. There are a lot yeah. of components to that big old thing. We've got it easy today, kids. So he he's he's interviewing himself. He is. And Chloe is in, in the hall, basically, sitting at the, the bottom of the stairs, just sort of yeah. eavesdropping on Nick being silly in front and, of the camera. And we do get through visuals that she's taken with Nick. Yeah, definitely. And and we get something interesting even later on in the day when they go. Uh, Harold's like, yeah, we're going to go out and see the property that Alex was yeah. staying at or one had. And, yeah. Well, well, first we get a little bit of information because we know that, that – Meg is a, a high-level defense attorney. We know that what Sarah and, and Harold do. We know what Nick does. And, um, uh, well, we don't know what Nick does other than that, the drugs. But he's a psychiatrist as well, just short of his dissertation. Psychologist. And, uh, a psychologist, right. Yeah. And uh, ended up as one of those sort of call-in psychiatrists on a radio station, KSFO San Francisco. And Chloe is listening in on this. And uh, then we get a music cue change. True love. Yeah. Da -da 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 -da. And it's a driving scene, right? They're all in the Jeep. You've got Nick, Chloe, Michael, Harold. And I guess they're going out to the property, Alex's property. And they're chit-chatting. But Chloe, just apropos of no nothing, chimes in with, Alex and I made love the night before he died, and it was fantastic. <laughs> And just, she's just delighted, and and, um, and they all look at her like, it's oh, a wonderful thing. Thank you for sharing that with me. Weird. <laughs> just, it's almost like she's trying to – they're talking. There's like this banter of – these are old friends 
these are people that knew Alex probably better than anybody. Yeah. And she just wants to join in the conversation. So she just blurts out, yeah, before he died, we had, you know, we had sex. I don't know, that. even though she wants to join in the conversation. She's probably looking at the scenery, having a little thought. and so oh, that's true. <laughs> and has a memory, like, you know what? It just, yeah. She's, she's truly untouched by cynicism. This, this that is, woman. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, back at the house, yes. we have... Uh, the conversation. The conversation. Yeah. And I wish I had – it's a great uh, sort of sing-song. He's good-looking, but he's gay. Yeah. He's nice, but he lives with his mother. Uh, you know, she she's sort of mentioning all the inappropriate men and the hell of dating and finding the right man. She's, she's saying this to, to Sarah, who's listening very, you know, patiently. And she does tell Sarah, what I've realized is – I don't even think I want a man. The only thing I really know for sure is that I want a child. Yeah. And you had some insight here that I completely missed, right? There's two different cuts. There's one where they're sitting at the kitchen table, and she's talking about uh, you know, basically what happened with Nick, like yeah. my, her discovery that <laughs> Nick, Nick can't anymore. Yeah. And uh, As I'm the last one to know, she says. Yes, and she, she shares with her that these are the greatest guys I know. If I'm going to have basically have a baby, a, these one of these guys would be perfect. And I think she does mention that she's you know biologically ready, ovulating, right. and you know the time is right, kind of thing. Yeah, and she you know she found out Nick can't. She no. she explains to Sarah like she's settled on Sam because Sam is the most logical choice. She's actually has romantic sexual history with Michael. Yeah. And she that's said it a, would be too weird. Too know, weird, and I'm not going back there. <laughs> yeah. kind of so says. Nick is out, and Michael is out. And and Glenn Close goes, well, you know, what about Harold? And she's like, oh no, are you kidding? I love it. You know, Harold's fantastic. Yeah. He's Mr. Perfect. But, but, but clearly not on the table. So she says, yeah. okay. So Sarah, I have yeah. respect for Sarah. She's like, no, yeah. I'm ne- not even bringing that up. Yeah. And um, so that's one part of it. And then we, I think they cut away to them out at the land. But then when they cut back. She's uh, Meg is there at the kitchen table, and Sarah is at the sink washing dishes. Yeah. And all Meg says is something like, "All I know is that I want to have a child right now more than anything." Yeah. And we see Sarah just kind of stop and kind of almost look over her shoulder. The next line Meg says is, "Don't remind me it was the right thing to do at the time." Yeah, I, I missed that completely, yeah. what that implied. Yes, and it and implies that she was pregnant before, Yeah, but apparently did not continue with the pregnancy, and terminated it. It would have been kind of a big deal to Yeah, to, you're, you're in college, you're in law school. Yeah, she yeah. had to make a very tough decision and yeah. made it. Um, so, so it's a very meaningful talk, topic, very, and it yeah. will come up <laughs> again. Uh, cut to Nick and Chloe out at the cabin out at Alex's cabin, tin roof, uh, tin roof shack. Um, and, and she's clearly smitten with him, as I said before. And she tells Nick, you remind me of Alex. And what does Nick say? I ain't him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he pauses for a minute, like, are you transferring something onto me? Mm, and I think yeah. he wants to cut it in the, you know, at the quick. Just, do you think, I ain't him. Sam, do you think it's too scary for him to have feel that 
oh god, she's transferring stuff onto me, or there's a the additional concern like no, he's I'm sort of in a not in a good place right now, and so for you to compare me to Alex is kind of a little too scary for well, me. Well, it might also be jarring that yes, maybe I'm on this death path too Same, with yeah. my lifestyle. Uh, please don't point that truth out. So scene. Michael and Sam are now videoing themselves. And I, I could totally see at our reunions us doing this, like videoing and then watching ourselves do, you know, watching what we've just videoed. We've probably done that. We actually had the, we had a uh, little mashup. Um, yeah. Some of our earlier episodes, we put a little mashup of some of our favorite movie lines. And this is the, this is the scene oh coming God, up. I didn't is, write it down. Do you know it? Oh, my God. Well, Michael's just making the point that, he, he's being very pedantic, and it's the visual is funny because here you've got Sam. He's this L.A. actor with his big show, and he's sort of just slumped over looking like a little kid up at, you know, uh, correct posture Jeff Goldblum who's going on a rant about everyone needs a rationalization. It's more important than sex. And Sam, the actor, is kind of drunk, and he's like, nothing's more important than sex. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> But, but he's very articulate, isn't he, Jeff Goldblum's character, Michael? You know, just because I'm not as charming, just because I'm not, uh, you know, my style may not be as pretty. Yeah. I shouldn't be criticized for that. I'm being honest. I'm being transparent about what I want. Yeah. So yeah. you should respect that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even though you might want to call me an opportunist or what, yeah. what was the other, manipulative you know, that put some put some respect on my name. It's a pretty big speech, and it's pretty. <laughs> I can't do it. The unrelenting. Way. I don't think he takes a breath. I wonder how many cuts that was. Jeff Goldblum is amazing in this film. He is amazing. He, my fav, one of my favorite characters in this whole film. And now, years later, I'm like, yeah, you're even more relatable to me now. <laughs> yes, yes. And he's very honest. They're all very honest. Nick is the most shady. He has a lot to deal with emotionally. I think he's had a terrible thing happen to him, and he's just lost post nom Lost Boys. Uh, you have a cut to sort of cooking in the kitchen, but that's quickly interrupted when Nick comes in and is like, oh my god, the TJ, <laughs> JT Lancer show is on. And the Sam character who plays JT Lancer is like, oh my god, guys, leave me alone, because they're, they're all you know going out to look at those one of those cheesy openings, like you can imagine Magnum P.I. with the cruise ships and the girls on each shoulder and, you know, the gun whipping out. Don't song. forget to take your dream, I mean. You know, he's on a boat. Yeah. yeah. So there and he's looking just you know, like tortured throughout this like I Where do are you it doing for a living, leave me, me alone. <laughs> um this is for me this next scene is a very good visual. It's everyone at dinner and people are chit chatting about this and that. And at the head of the table, Sarah's sitting sort of with her legs up in a in a more casual position and obviously very pensive, deep in reflection. And everyone else is, you know, kind of upbeat. And she's not feeling it, is she? She says he should be here. Yeah, Alex should be here. I feel like we should put a seat out. You know, and put she's, a chair for she, Yeah, yeah. So and she also, also says, I feel that I was at my best when I was with you people. Mm. Harold just shoots back, we were great then and we're shit now? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And Sarah says, I'd, I'd hate to think it was all for fashion because they were super into social justice and activism. And 
now they're they're living that life that they reviled as younger people 15 years ago. Yeah, Harold turns to Nick and he goes, "Nick, help me out here. You know, help me yeah. out with these crying, you know, bleeding heart liberals." Yeah. He doesn't say and, bleeding heart liberals, but he's like, "But with these yeah. bleeding hearts, you know, help me out." Yeah. And Nick just says, "Well, I know what Alex would say. What's for dessert?" And then the Meg Tilly character, Chloe, laughs way too hard. Yeah. At this silly joke. So she's she just loves him by this time. She's and, very en enamored with him, and, and here's yeah. In truth, she probably is projecting. Yes. But what we see in the beginning of the film is sort of being superficial. We learn as the film goes on that she is truly grieving. She yes. literally – there. In yeah. particular, I, I like where it was placed and mm -hmm. how it was placed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think one thing of her, and then you realize, wow, was yeah. I wrong? Yeah. Uh, song cue, Ain't Too pr Proud to Beg. Yeah. Ain't too proud to beg, sweet baby. Um, so uh, after dinner, they realize uh, the kitchen is a wreck. <laughs> they, we know this feeling, don't we? Like, they oh, made a Lord. turkey. First of all, we see I'm missing the turkey. Like earlier the on the turkey? in the day, when Meg and and Sarah are in the kitchen, they're stuffing a turkey. There's a whole big friggin' turkey sitting there. And okay, so it's truly a Thanksgiving film then, because who else has a turkey at this time? Well, I figured that they had the turkey because turkey a turkey can can serve a lot of people. Plus, um, Sam makes his pasta, which <laughs> I found kind of funny because yeah. they're like, is this the same dish you you've made? You know, years you, you and haven't years learned ago. anything else since college, and no. he says I've improved on it. And he can his make way spaghetti is throwing the spaghetti against the wall. Tomato sauce with ground beef in it. I'm sure that's all it is. But he, he's just he he can't make anything no. else. But he's endearing. He is endearing. And uh, and here cute. begins the cleanup scene where everyone's sort of dancing and cleaning up and helping. Because you know, there's nothing worse than the aftermath of a great dinner. Is the oh shit, look at the kitchen. <laughs> And uh, but they make a a lovely dancing, fun it's a time of it. Little dance montage, yeah. And it's it's one of the most famous scenes. Now Kasdan did focus a lot on Glenn Close's bum, her pert buttocks, her pert buttocks, <laughs> doing a little uh, hip movement there, and uh, a little shimmy going on. Yeah, and uh, and and poor Michael can't move at all. He's <laughs> so. He's not capable. He tries to grab Chloe to dance, and she's just uh, she just know. walks away like no, okay, no. <laughs> but, but not even no. She just doesn't notice him that his efforts, <laughs> just, just oblivious to it. But um, what what's next? Um, I have seen smoking pot. Yes. And uh, so they're sort of passing a joint. They're in the living room again, and you you see the uh, the Karen character, Meredith Williams, and she's smoking, and she says. I know Richard would never leave me. And everyone's like, oh, that's so sweet. Wow, that much trust. And she says, no, no, fear of herpes. <laughs> Harold um, taking the joint from her. Yes. And just about to put it to his lips. And when she says fear of herpes, he just sort of stops in his yeah. in his pot haze. Yeah. And he hands it to, <laughs> he hands, hands it to Nick, who's on the other side of him. And Nick just takes his hand and pushes Harold's hand back like, no, 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 you yeah. can keep that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, which now, I didn't, um, I, I, I thought, yeah. that's kind of, I don't know, just weird. <laughs> but 
But you do that in your pot stupor, just sort of announcing things right? <laughs> you know, randomly. So, so I did get that. Well, I mean, did they what think I, she had herpes? And so they're like, no, mm-hmm. no, uh, no, I don't think so, because he would never cheat on her fear mm-hmm. of herpes. So he's mm-hmm. not going to go outside the marital bed because he knows it's safe. I think he's just had his limit. Or maybe he doesn't partake at all, because I don't know that he does. Mm-hmm. He's a straight laced kind of guy. I thought they just all of a sudden got worried that maybe Joe Beth Williams had her, or not Joe Beth. No, no, I didn't. Have, I didn't take that. I, I, t- I took yeah. it as because because then we cut to Sarah and she's really stoned and she's like, I'm so tired. I have to go to bed. I have to go to bed. And Nick says, You're tired, but you don't want to go to bed. And uh, he he leads her upstairs and presumably uh, gets her coked up. He yeah he brings her upstairs and it is funny they do the they do the group stone thing pretty well because they're all sitting on the couch yeah and they're all just kind of staring off into space just passing the yeah. joint back and forth yeah. and when they get up it's it, like Harold has this delayed reaction like he points his finger and he's not really sure what he's pointing his <laughs> like they're going somewhere where are they going. And, um, it, it is where you you can't really articulate what you want to say. <laughs> Just like Sarah, point. what are you doing? Um, but they, uh, I love the trust though. They're completely, completely comfortable. Trust. Yeah, yeah. He's not yeah. Harold is not freaked out that no his wife is going upstairs with Nick because he no. he just knows that Nick's not going to cross cross yeah. any lines. And meanwhile, now Meg approaches Sam, and she thinks that that's going to be a pretty done deal, right? She's pretty confident in and out, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, Didn't good it? genes, good seed, and, and she'll get pregnant. <laughs> but he Sam won't have any problem with she, it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but Sam thinks of it differently, doesn't he? He's been pondering. Um, he's been struggling since the divorce. Yeah. His wife has moved on. She's remarried. His daughter is now sort of establishing a bond with the stepdad and her yeah. her mom and that family and it's it's just bigger than the bond with her stepfather yeah. there is a a family life that she has adapted to and is comfortable in and is happy in and he's like I feel like I'm just in the way he shares that while he shares it with Karen while they're shopping and it's not bs i i got the sense that it really is hurt, hurting him and troubling him well here's what i think for a later scene when he goes on about that because he he does mention it in a few scenes but when meg approaches sam i think he has a real ethical quandary Mm -hmm. yes he said it's not about legal work or, or being involved or anything like that it is a responsibility yes it it is a big deal meg is a lawyer she she'd take care of everything where he would have no responsibility, but he he figures ethically it it is something. He would know her. He would know that that's his child. For him, he has a problem with it. I think that's just yeah. what he's sharing. Is that and and he says it is a commitment, whether you think so or not. And he's very nice. That's what I love. All of these sort of rejections she's getting, um, it's done in the sweetest possible way. You know, and she says, "I love you. You're a decent guy." And he looks like, "Am I?" I'm glad I am, you know. So. And he goes, you want to fuck? And that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now earlier, um, Nick, or uh, rather, Michael is trying to, everyone's getting into the drugs now, so Michael is rolling joints, and uh, he asks Nick 
about I guess Nick has a, is taking a quaalude and and Michael says, "Oh, can I take one of those?" And he's obviously never dabbled at all. He's like, right. a half, "Should I take a half or how? What does this remind you of? Um, should I t- how much of this should I take?" <laughs> and uh, watch it now. So he takes one and quick shot back to to Michael, just passed out. He, you know, he, a whole one was too much. Nick plays um, that like a virtuoso violinist. He's no. like, well, what's that? Quaalude? Yeah. 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 Well, on a full stomach? I don't know. Yeah. He goes, what, um, what the hell? Lachheim. Lachheim. And takes it with the wine and just passes out. So that was the end of, of Michael for the evening. And then Nick and cut to Nick and Chloe talking, and, and Nick uh, talks about how he felt like a, a fraud on this yeah. psychology radio show. And, and Chloe admits that she called in one night when she was a schoolgirl, 15 or so, and she tells him he really helped her. And he says, what did I say to you with your problem? And she said, well, you told me to do my homework and be a good girl, basically. And he's like, oh, cringe. Is that what I said? Oh, my God. And she said, no, no, it really helped me. So so she knows of him. Yeah, the Bay Area. Way back. Yeah, she's been listening to that voice for a while. Yeah. Ever since she was in high school. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's it's kind of sad because Nick's like, I'm I'm a fraud. He thinks yeah. he's he's like, I'm getting paid for this, but I'm I'm not. I'm just putting on he this has persona. That affliction. He yeah. has the, the goods, but he has the affliction. I'm a fraud. I'm mm. not good enough. Yeah. Um, cut to Harold and Sarah in the bedroom. Sarah is coked up, <laughs> and Harold is ready for sleep. And Harold said, says, this is a really charming side to you. Remind me to get you some more cocaine in the morning. She's like, how can you sleep? I'm not tired at all, and just hopping around. And I think doing a p- pretty good job of looking coked up. Uh, and, and she kind of scolds him for, for telling Nick about the uh, the inside trading thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Her paranoia is kicked in because she's coked up. Like, and, yeah. you know, we're gonna get the was it the FEC? It's gonna be banging <laughs> down. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, and then we we have the encounter. Oh, well, you, we already talked about that between uh, Meg and Sam, and it's not gonna happen. Sam, ten, you know, gently turns her down. We are at the next morning, where uh, the we see morning. the three of them jogging down. Is it what? What's the name of the street again? Oh gosh. That looked like King Street or, or thereabouts. It's right at the point, this, mm-hmm. this sort of uh, group of antebellum houses that are very close. Uh, so, it could be any one of those streets. They're all beautiful. So Nick, Sam, is now running with them and yes. Harold. Yes. And and I just write, jogging through the point, because <laughs> I honestly go there, and uh, it's just so peaceful. It's so peaceful, and these houses are so beautiful, and you just think, boy. What I wouldn't give for one of those. <laughs> it's just, it's all lovely. They they come up to the house and Harold goes, oh good, they came early, and we, yes. we're we're like, and then and then we see the the white delivery van with the logo, yeah. running yeah. dog, athletic footwear. Yeah, and that, I think that's the first time we know of his company. Like, what exactly do you do? Yeah. And uh, then the weight comes on, right? Oh this God, song. this song. I and I love the way this is shot, by the way. Love, love this song. I do too. I love this sequence. Yeah. I love there. As you said, in terms of cinematography, you don't think there's anything special, but there are really scenes in this film that stand out. One of them. This is, this one, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, What struck me about it, you you have people waking up at different times and sort of fading in and out of the picture. But what what the Harold character, the the Klein character, has done is he set out all of these shoeboxes with everybody's name on them. And earlier in an earlier scene, he's sort of taking notes like, what shoes size do you wear? And um, you get a hint there. And I think Meg is the first one up. Meg is the first one up. She's got her coffee. She lights a merit cigarette. She looks <laughs> over and sees this sort of pyramid of boxes, and one has her initials on it. And she's like, "Huh?" Opens it up, and they're these lovely uh, Nike, I guess. Is I saw the Nike symbol. Right. Um, they look like Nike, but they're they're supposed to be his shoe. It. it you're supposed what? to think that he is like Nike. That he, you know. Are you, or is he just somebody who sells Nike but is doing really well? With his shop, so they're... That's a good question. Because uh, I, I don't think he could use the Nike logo on it. Oh, well, yeah, because it it's a Nike swoosh, definitely. I mean, you can go to a lot of shops, you know, famous footwear, and buy so Nikes. you're supposed to think he's Foot Locker, I guess. Yeah. That's what yeah, you're supposed to think. something like that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he says he has, what, 15 stores or something? No, like it's that? in the 20s. He goes, yeah. Is it in the 20s? Yeah, the night, <laughs> the night when they're making the beds. He's up yeah. there with Sam... And he's like, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and Sam goes, who would have thought we would have made so much yeah. bread? Well, fuck it's a good thing we can... don't care about the. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them if they they make a lot of sort of uh, cynical statements like about property, like, oh well, that w- back then that was when property was a crime, but they're all doing well for themselves. They are all doing exceptionally well. Yeah. So people are slowly starting to wake up, and you get these fade in and fade out of people as they see their shoes. Right. I think Nick is in there. Is Nick in there next? Nick is the next one to show <laughs> Nick is the next one to show up and you see Karen making breakfast. <laughs> Karen of course takes on Mother Hen role. But she's she's a little bit pissed because she, she knows she's pretty that. pissy because she know she has a yearn for, for Sam and she's like, What happened? Did anything happen? Yeah. And Nick is sort of taking Meg's side for the fifth time, no. And but then I love how Meg says, Is there any salt and pepper? Like you need to serve me <laughs> like we would do, right? <laughs> you know, Meg's for bitchy, but you better give me my food. Meg's still so, in her pajamas, still has Sarah's bathrobe on, has her feet up on the on the chair next to her. Nick's just yeah. putting his shoes on. Yeah. And she's like, For the I haven't told I did not sleep with him and then and Nick that's when Nick. I Kibbets. did not know him in the biblical way. <laughs> and Nick's like, I love these shoes. I'm never taking them off. I'm gonna sleep in these shoes. And and like doesn't miss a cue. The yeah. Karen, not Karen, but um, Meg goes, which does not mean that he wants to have sex with them. Yes. <laughs> So pissy little jibes, but she's still gonna give out the food and right. <laughs> serve. Still gonna serve me. Yes. And it makes me. It, it is funny that this was one of those scenes where I wanted the prequel. I'm like, yeah. where has this played out before in their past? Were, yes. were they roommates? Were they, you know? Yeah. Um, so very close family. I mean, only family. You could say in a fight. Is there any salt and pepper you can put <laughs> on the table with this? You know. And um, the, Sarah's. Sarah then fades into Sarah. Sarah's in some bad shape after the Coke and pot and things she's not used to. And uh, she's sort of just looking miserable at the table. 
And then <laughs> Michael Michael comes in. He's always late, right? Yeah. And he says, are, are we the first ones up? And he says it was such genuine. <laughs> yeah. They all Curiosity. play. You know, because Michael the night before was quaaluded. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, Sarah was up doing coke. Yeah. And it, it's just so funny. And and um, does Sam Sam shows up at some point? No, that's the next. Is it the next night or? Well, I think we have a cut to the dock with this right. bullshit conversation between Karen and Sam. Oh God, they're yeah. both playing at something, right? Yeah. He's he he needs validation for whether or not his show is, you know, has any merit. And she's like, Oh yeah, my kids get a lot out of it. And then she starts in with, you know, all of my life I felt that there's something I really wanted to express. You know, my writing. And he doesn't have a clue. <laughs> he no He's clue looking at it. her like, you write? You know, just <laughs> you know, poems and short stories, that kind of thing. So he has no idea what she's talking about. And, and she's sort of like, yes, you do. Sure, you remember. You know, and, and he's just like, dumb guy. Like, I, uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Um, he, he's like, oh, well, you, you have kids. There, you, you, you and Richard have built something there. Yeah, and mm. uh, but and they're flirting clearly, but cautiously, but speaking in these platitudes mm-hmm. and the this sort of cautious talk. Uh, but Karen, <laughs> Karen is. I'm sorry. There's a siren, so there's going to be howling. Okay. I'll let you work it out, boys. Babies. It's okay. I love his. <laughs> We're keeping this in. <laughs> you get bliss. Are you finished, baby? Get Is him. that okay? Get him bliss. What goes on in his mind? I don't know. Like a wolf pack is going by. I don't or, know. I don't the, know. The the the, the, just the tone is it's amazing. <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> Sometimes he has a question mark like, and then he'll go into it. I'm not sure. Yeah, mommy's making that noise. He's looking at me like, why are you doing it? The sirens have passed. So I have here written in bold letters, Sam is not a complicated man. No, he's not a complicated man. So she's she's working it a bit, I think. She is working it a bit, and and it seems rather hackneyed, the the repartee between the two. Very trite. Yeah. Like, wow, I've heard this before in a singles bar in 1977 somewhere. Yes. (laughs) It's just really bad. And and not real. And particularly after that reception part where she says, oh, we're telling the truth. Mm. So she's... You know, clearly attracted to him, but but he doesn't know what to do with that. He's just sort of he's there for the real reason, right? For, for yeah. Alex. I don't know what it so, is about you, but something about you just makes me open up. Or oh, yes. she, she's telling him the lines, and you under later on you understand me, see? And just oh, he's God. just clueless the whole time. Oh, it's but then we trash. cut to sports ball. All right. Um, the sports balls happen. The Michigan and I forget who they're who would their Ohio uh, Michigan State. State would I that think be? It's, no, I think it's Michigan and Michigan State. Those were green and white uniforms. Oh, okay, okay. I just I know they were go blue. Sparty, yeah. Which and is I also didn't know a big you rivalry. Were a, a Mac. Um, then we have the scene that you were. I, I don't know if we were on record yet, but um, 
Sarah has a, a, a very nice monologue where she's, you don't know who she's talking to at first. And somebody during the game says, where's Nick? So at first you think maybe she's out there on the veranda talking or the porch talking to yeah. uh, to Nick. And uh, she's she's really talking about her relationship that she had with Alex. Yeah, this is and very... kind of uh, rationalizing it. Maybe I was tired of being the good girl. And um, I don't know that she's rationalizing. I think she's just kind of uh, opening her, yeah, her soul. I mean, she's kind yeah. of burying her soul here. She says after it happened, he withdrew from me. He said we finally consum. She says uh, we finally consummated this archaic, lurking passion, and all it did was put up these walls between our friendship. And then cut to Karen, who's just a good listener, and hearing her out. Yeah. The irony is that she's sitting there and she's about to embark on trying to seduce Sam because, you know, she's yeah. she's got a very stable marriage and children. And, yeah. But is she going to go do this? And here Sarah is telling her, I basically lost Alex because I needed to have Alex. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't what she had built. I mean, and and we forgot to mention during that foggy jogging scene between – uh, between Harold and Nick, there there is a reference to that. He talks about her love for Alex, and Nick says she married you. Right. Like end of story. She picked you. The one thing that kind of comes across over and over again in, in that what had happened with that affair is just how much they, the three of them loved each other as people, yeah. as friends. Yeah. Harold that their love survived that. Yeah, Harold um, clearly loved Alex as his, as his friend. Yeah, she you know she clearly loves her husband. She loved Alex, and one of the reasons why they that Alex pulled away is they they both love Harold so much that they did not want Harold to feel like there was anything that would yeah. be a threat to him to their family, and, and yeah. so. No. So Alex just withdrew and pulled away as much as he yeah. could from her. Yes. You know. I think his love was so great, and he thought probably I've I've just harmed these people that I love so much by, yeah. by giving in to a baser desire. And uh, Okay, so back to the football, and Michael has glommed on to the fact that – Let's not that, discuss deep emotional feelings. <laughs> Let's no, well, the, let's go back to deep emotional feelings. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Let's go to the sports ball. Because one of the charming things about this movie is you get these really gut punch, deep feelings, and then it'll cut to a scene of levity, and then to a, a kind of introspective scene, or a, a funny but intellectual, cerebral kind of scene. It's, it's really got everything, and and I do think this is how a group that knows each other very well and is bonded in such a way, I think this is how interactions happen. It's not, and now we do this, and now we do this. Yeah. You, you split off. You have these conversations. And there's irony in that she's telling this story, and, the, and Karen's the one that's <laughs> listening to it. Yes, you and know. Karen's, you know, plotting her own little <laughs> tryst little excursion. But, but it's kind of cute because Michael, of course, he knows what's going on. <laughs> and he knows that Meg is, is trying to conceive during this trip. And he says, what am I, chopped liver? And you know, she's like, what? Has this been announced? What? Published Why somewhere? Are you... How does everyone yes. know? 
And uh, there's some cuts that I love that I didn't notice before of Chloe smiling as she's listening to this and happily making a pomander, like pushing little cloves yes. into, into an orange. Yeah. <laughs> so sweet. She, um, she says clipping. And... <laughs> she, she does. What is that uh, ref? Clipping. <laughs> during an earlier scene, the men are going, you know, ballistic because of some uh, call the ref makes. And Chloe just very quietly says clipping. And, and they're like, fuck, no, that's not clip. No, fuck, no. And then the ref does the, it was clipping. Sorry, Chloe. Yeah, Sam apologize. I'm sorry, Chloe. So Michael is now on a mission to, to like, show his <laughs> muscles and, and, and how his prowess and how he would be a great, you know. But but you get the feeling with Michael, it it can't be just a donor thing. He's going to get emotionally involved. Right. We can do it. I've, we've done it before. We've done it before. <laughs> Remember the March like, of Washington? Yeah. Armies of the night. Yeah. It's just leaning in and leering and getting really – and she's like, get back to me at the, in the third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, meantime, let's see. Uh, I have mu- musical cue. Give me some lovin'. Tag football scene. Flag football. Uh, and, and by the way, I note that Chloe is adorable, and I didn't appreciate that in 1983 when she goes out playing football. Too. She knows her football. She knows her football. Yeah. She does. And Michael's sort of like putting up his arm, showing his bicep, and calling back to Meg, look at this, great genes. We could make great things. <laughs> He's really like a, a young man, you know, doing handstands for the girl of his affection or something. I don't know. Just to really... He wants it, <laughs> you know. Let me have that chance. And everything's happy and yay, playful, playful. But then what? Oh, Nick rolls up followed by a patrol car. <laughs> yes. I did wonder if this was a local Beaufort police or if they hired out for this one. I didn't catch that. I believe that's an actor, and I cannot place. He did look familiar. I've seen him in other movies, and I, I, I think he's actually a fairly well-known actor, and I yeah. cannot place him. And Nick just acts like a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. He, he's just bitchy, and the guy's trying to size him up like, I don't know, he looks like one of those New York drug traffickers. If you know anything about the area, yes, they still use the term Yankees, and I'm surprised they didn't use that in the screenplay. Um, yeah, that would have been, actually. But uh, Harold finesses him and says, yeah, I think we should just take, take him out back and, and kick the shit out of him, but... Second half's coming up, so can we get it over with you? You know, he's joking with him, charming <laughs> yeah. the cop. Cop says, you know what? I can let him go because he notices Sam, right? If J.T. Lancer here can do that <laughs> trick where he hops in the car because that's part of the opening scene where he leaps into a car somehow yeah. and, and lands perfectly in the seat. So uh, he says he'll do it, and Nick is just being pissy and says, don't do it. Yeah, don't, don't do, do it. it. In other yeah. words, don't don't cape for this guy. Yeah. Don't dance for this dude. Don't dance for the man. And so he tries it. He fails miserably and <laughs> hurts his arm. <laughs> and Dr. Sarah just immediately grabs her doctor's bag. You can Do they see really her going have doctor's bags? Bag. I was thinking, wow. I can see all of the, the bag, and she's just like coming down the stairs. Yes. She's just on it immediately. Going to take care of her friend and dresses the wound. 
And in the meantime, Nick sort of sneers at Harold and says, since when do you get so friend did you get so friendly with cops? And you know, probably the other word from 1968 that's going to come out of his mouth is pigs, right? Yeah. So I'm surprised they weren't a little harsher with the language there. Yeah, they were cautious. Because he's still back in 68. He's got a lifestyle where, you know, he's not okay with the police. Yeah. And, and Harold um, just dresses him down, doesn't he? Nick is gone is still living this very anti-establishment state of mind yeah but harold's like here's the deal dude this is my i've built this life this is my home i live here man i'm and that line has stuck with me for decades i'm dug in yeah i I love that this is a decent man this officer he has twice saved this house from robbery and you come in here. Is jail another experience for you to try out to see yeah. what it's like? And he just sort of walks away in disgust, leaving Nick slack-jawed, right? Yeah. And uh, probably feeling a little ashamed. Yeah. 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 So jeopardizing so, so his friend. It, it was the truth. Nick felt the truth slap him in the face. But they, they kind of have teased Harold up to – because I remember when they did the deliver the shoes, the – Guy, the delivery guy is like, yeah, they're all in there, Mr. Cooper, and they're, like, ooh, Mr. Cooper, Mr. Cooper. Yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. He's you clearly can imagine that if 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 we yeah. were around, say, some of our friends, and they said, oh, doctor or Mister or whatever the title, we'd be like, oh, hoity-toity, even though we know they've earned their, you know, yeah, their merits. Harold, uh, we, we, yeah. yeah so. I was going to just say that Harold has definitely made it. I think even more than than Sam has. Yes. Um, as far as financial independence. Yeah. And he probably majored in something sensible at University of Michigan, right. even though he was an activist like business or who yeah. knows what. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, we cut to Sarah bandaging Sam and <laughs> doing a real pro job with her. That got a betadine and a pretty nice uh, bandage on his arm. But he just wants to get back to the game, doesn't he? I love how he's like, I can really do it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we know you can. We They're just totally can, patronizing. Sam. We know you can. <laughs> of course you can. It's <laughs> great. And he's just so indignant. I can, you know. <laughs> oh, coach, uh, can I get back in the game? Go, go, go. Walk. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah. Seriously, walk. Don't run. No running. She, she's such, such the doctor, right? She mm-hmm. really is. And uh, Sarah and Meg are left alone again. And I guess they're they're back on the topic, you know. Mm. Are we going? Is this going to happen this weekend, Conception? And she admits to Sarah, "I can't do it with Michael. Too much history." Yeah. Um, and he checks in. It, it, I think it's because yeah. Michael checks in. He's like, "It's the third quarter." It's the third quarter. You said you'd get back to me in the third quarter, and he's just super eager. And I don't think it's that he just wants to get laid because he he was willing. I think with anybody, I, you know, Chloe, well, yeah. anybody. Uh, King's ransom and condoms, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, but he's alone. I don't think he loves his, you know, his girlfriend. Uh, He, this this is an old Ian, yeah? I I don't know. I think he loves his girlfriend, but he's just not faithful. (laughs) You can love somebody and not be faithful. He's a dog. I mean, he brought 800 condoms. Yeah. What, how many times during the funeral? And he lost underwear or whatever. (laughs) That's weird. Blow dryer. I love that. I don't think – has that fallen from fashion? Do men still use blow dryers? I, I don't know. That was just basic kit back then, but yeah. now? Traveling blow, blow dryer too. 
scene cut to Nick videoing Chloe. Mm. And she's doing these. That woman has some extension, doesn't she? I thought Meg Tilly had trained as a dancer. I, I think she did, like truly a ballet dancer. And she has the perfect form for it. She has the dancer's body. And her extension is insane. Lying on her side, lifting the leg up behind her head almost. Right. And a full-out straddle. She's just, you know, obviously the real deal. And I wonder if Kazan knew about that or had seen her doing, during warm-ups or something and said, oh, we got to incorporate that. Nick's sort of questioning her off-frame. And we're kind of looking through the video's eyes and says, and he's asking her questions. And she says, I don't like talking about my past as much as you guys do. And it just <laughs> looks like, you know what, fair enough, fair enough. Kind of also indicating yeah, maybe we're just a little too self-absorbed. Yeah. Is it? yeah. And I'm going to say this. Yeah. And Kasdan wrote the script. And Kasdan is a boomer. I feel like that's a little jab at his own generation. Like maybe yeah. we're just a little too self-absorbed as a generation. Yeah. yeah. And and we've had as Gen Xers that kind of – we've had those thoughts about that. But I do think every generation when they come of age is self-absorbed. When you come to a certain age, you become very – I, well, I think the criticisms X would have about themselves would be completely different than than the boomers or the wires. Well, or if you think about sort of 1983 to 97 or something, there wasn't a cultural seismic shift in the way that you had from 68 to 83. Right. So these people have seen a complete turnaround in politics from the altruistic to the material. Mm-hmm. And we were just sort of shuffling along with the material, weren't we? Right, but I do think that <clears throat> I think at this point, I think every every generation becomes you know self reflective, and I, I feel like we would kind of maybe criticize ourselves, like maybe we weren't yeah. vocal enough, maybe we weren't yeah. ambitious enough, maybe we did check out too easily. Yeah. If we're going to criticize, and did our we own fight generation. a cause? Uh, we lived a cause. Oh we, God, we, we lived a cause, but we didn't. But it was kind of like our fist to a cause, you know. No, but our approach was complete. I think as a generation was completely different, which is let's love everybody, you know. Well, okay. keep our head down and and, and and you know navigate navigate the uh, you know, rocks in the water. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that was that's true in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure generations that will come after will have their own angst about. <laughs> What they... I, I just do think every decade brings something new. You've got your early 20s and discovery, and then maybe if you're uh, college-bound, you find new foci, mm-hmm. and you you begin to become aware of the greater world. And then you get out of that bubble and realize the greater world isn't as, as easy to navigate as you thought it was. Mm. And so every... Every, I don't know, epoch of your life is going to be, you know, charged by, by the experience, not the ideal that you had as a, as a very young person. Harold comes out. Mm-hmm. And he needs well, first to there's a moment on the video, I think. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, uh, he's questioning, uh, Nick is questioning uh, Chloe, and he says, tell me about Alex. 
And Chloe says things like, he believed in reincarnation. He never ate meat. Um, and then she pauses and says, he said maybe he should have accepted the uh, Rutledge Fellowship. Um, and Nick is stopped dead in his tracks because mm. that's like, I see his regret. He fucked up. Yeah. And you just see Meg on the video, like through the video lens. Nick, what's the matter? That was a a spike in his heart when she said that. Because it's something that they really, nobody knew. Yeah. Earlier on, when they were at school, he had been offered a very prestigious fellowship. And he turns it down. This is Alex, turns it down. Yeah. And so years later, he's wondering if he made a serious mistake in yeah. in, in, in yeah. turning that down. I had this talent, this, this bright future, and I rejected the establishment of it, maybe. There's next a scene with Karen, Karen to Sam. Yes. Sort of angling again with these platitudes <laughs> and about her writing and about how much he understands her. And he says something totally innocuous like, oh, well, that's good for you. And she says, you see, you've always been able to read me. Yeah. And Sam is just dumbfounded, like, what? <laughs> just, just she's, she's putting into his mind, planting in his mind, this perception that just isn't there. This, um, yeah, this sort of emotional connection that they, they yeah. supposedly have. Bill comes out and he's like, come on, come on, Sam. Got it. You know, the Hong Kong, yeah, Hong Kong yeah. Express is rolling. Music cue, a bad moon rising. Yeah, but we're going to go get the chi pick up the Chinese food is basically yeah, what yeah. they're saying. And, she, and, and he's the, talking away and parting, poor, poor Sam no, is just perplexed. Don't don't even go <laughs> go there yet because the parting between Karen and Sam before he gets in the the Jeep with Harold is just so uh, so hack. She goes, it, it is so hack. I'll I'll be here. I'll, waiting. I'll be waiting for you right here. <laughs> I'll be here when you get back waiting for you. Like he's going off to war or something. It's just, just awful. <laughs> they're going up to pick up Chinese, Chinese food. food. <laughs> and, and as they're driving along, you know, uh, Harold's chit-chatting about a concert and acid and all this. And Sam is just looking really confused. And he says, have you noticed anything odd about this weekend? Because I've been getting some pretty weird propositions and he's thinking about meg at first and then you know and now uh and now karen yeah karen's all up in his biznatch yeah <laughs> and goes, i remember when we <laughs> remember when we saw these guys in concert he's yeah. harold's just on his own little trip listening to yeah. credence yeah i remember you were hallucinating pretty bad that night and not even on drugs you weren't even on drugs but a boom <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's another dinner scene. I, I find the dinner scenes very uh, realistic for reasons and important. When you sup together, there, it is communal, as we spoke about in Babette's Feast. Yeah. Sam and Karen take the trash out, which is always bad news. Like She's always trailing him, right? Mm -hmm. They kiss, and it's a little cringy. Like, mm, this seems awkward. Because you have trash Sam makes some pillow talk <laughs> against the boathouse pole and uses a lot of lines about, you know, how he gets bored and maybe that's why it never worked out with his ex. And he'd hate for her to ruin herself or to stoop to that level. And you, you pan to her or you cut to her and she's just getting angry. She's pissed. 
Yeah. She's really pissed. But why is she pissed? Because she he's preemptively putting her off, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I could take you out and this, that, but, you know, you don't want that. I was a bad guy, you know. I, I just think she wants some validation and a little love, but she's – She whacks him and she – I don't know. I forget what, whether she, like, smacks him in the chest or whatever. She's like, for years – Don't give me that shit. Yeah, don't give me that shit. For years, you made it sound like I was the one that you wanted. I was you the one that got everybody away. know. And everyone knew it. And now you're going to hand me this shit? She storms off to the house. Yeah. Yeah. That that to paraphrase that I don't. That and I misremembered that because I thought that was the scene where they hooked up, but it oh, wasn't. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so after so dinner, got to a re- a really pivotal and probably the most I don't know the sweetest, most altruistic and beautiful scene in the movie for me. I think I have a comp- but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so Harold's on the phone with the kids because you see. Uh, Sarah talking to the kids at some point. This time, Harold's on with the kids, and I guess the daughter, I think it's a daughter, asks to speak to Meg. And I, I guess that's sort of a godmother figure to her. I'm not sure what, but she, she has a relationship with Meg somehow. Meg takes the phone, and Sarah's sort of standing back, and she's looking from Meg to Harold and to Meg, and she has this smile on her face like, I've got it. I'm going to solve this problem. These people, I love them both. It's really sweet, too, because when when you're listening to Harold talk on the phone, he's like, yeah, honey, she's right here. And um, you think it's going to be Sarah. Sarah, yeah. Sarah only even turns like, oh, and then yeah. – and Harold just looks behind him and he goes, oh, she wants to talk to you. And the first thing Meg says is, hi, Muffin. Really yeah. sweet. So they ha- actually have a rapport, and that kind of yeah. told me – and there was something I wanted to do when we were kind of done covering the episode just really yeah. quick about who is connected to who more intimately yeah. and probably has yeah. been in, in contact in yeah. this 15-year period that they've been separated. Yeah. And obviously um, Meg has been connected to Harold and, and Sarah yeah. if she has est- already established a relationship with – their daughter and by the way when a man loves a woman has come on and you had an insight about that <laughs> as she's making this was it was this, it this scene where when a man come well i have it written there so okay yeah then it must have then. i don't know how it makes no sense to me <laughs> all right tell us the, the gist of when a man loves a woman <laughs> well it's it's about loving a woman in in spite of anything she you know she does when a man uh, loves what a are the lyrics? Oh God, help me with the lyrics. Can't keep his mind. Nothing when else. a man loves a woman, he can't keep his mind on nothing else. He traded the can't world. Sing right now. He traded for he the traded world, the for, world the, for the, the good, good thing he's found. he's found. If she is bad, bad, he can't see he it. Can't see it. <laughs> she can, de- she can do, do no, no wrong. wrong. And turn his back on his best friend if he puts her down. So it's all about how much a man loves a woman. And here's a woman with such love for her man and her best friend that she's going to give this extraordinary gift. You know, you can even eliminate Harold out of the picture. This is for Meg. Sarah is is doing this for Meg. She loves her friend that much. She is Harold is a vehicle. Okay. Yeah. But but Meg is who this gift is for. There you go. That's deep. That's pretty That's deep. That's pretty deep. I don't know which song represents But I don't that. know why. 
why <laughs> the song makes no sense, really, if you think about it. It's a beautiful song, I mean, but but yeah, it's one of those. Listen to the words, and that that's kind of fucked like, up. Doesn't make any I sense. I mean, what would you pick? I don't know. Well, I, don't I mean, think Sarah about that. Sarah cheats on Harold. It's just so confusing. <laughs> Cheryl. Sarah cheats yeah. on Harold, and is this her way of? No, no, that's not I, it at I, all. I do think it's sort of her relief, like let him have his. It would at least even the score a little bit. How? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. It just doesn't. He's he's never gone extramarital. So no, it, he's it's never. A gift. So it's here's a reward. Blessing. Here's There's a reward no for guilt. you, Harold. <laughs> I just I don't know. And it's and it's so beautiful. It's just such a beautiful gesture. The gesture say, is want, beautiful. I'm giving you the the gift. Of I find child. it unnecessary for her to say here, here you can sleep with her. Does this make up or what? I, I don't know. I don't think she says it, but but it's – does she say it? I don't know in some point, but I – at some point. But I do think – I think she feels a, a lot of guilt for Alex. But, she does. But feel, I think that yeah. the, the love for her friend trumps all of that. I think she feels – She wants her friend. I think she feels worse about this, the, the consequences of what it did to Alex, though. Yeah. I, I think she feels – you know, when she shares that with Karen, I feel yeah. that that was, yeah, you know, I kind of made, I thought I've made my amends to Harold. Yeah. We're good. But what I did to Alex, I, I kind of have a hard time forgiving myself for. That's how I took that talk with yeah. Karen. Yeah. But either way, you're absolutely right. It's a beautiful gesture. That's why I, I love my husband. I it's trust him. It's the most loving gesture ever. And they're solid. Yes. Harold and Rock Sarah solid. are solid. Right. This isn't going to be anything. And she has no desire to go between them either, to, to cause emotional mischief. Right. It, it's, it's safe as houses, this, right. as the grand parental generation See, said. This is the woman that she obviously shared the intimate detail that she had an abortion. Maybe even Sarah was the person that drove her that yeah, day. You would need somebody in these days, right? Yes. Yeah. So you get the sense that and when well, I was going to bring this up at the end when we we're done with the whole episode, just in discussion yeah. part, that yeah. Sarah and Meg have an established close friendship. Yes. And we have a lot of those two together, don't we, throughout the movie? Yes, we have a lot of those two. There's, there's some interesting rela- – we, we know that there's an, a close est- established yeah. bond between Nick and – and uh, Sam, that we can talk about that. You know what? Sort of afterwards. These two are women's women. You know how we talk about that mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. And Joanne or um, Joe Karen, Beth. <laughs> Joe Beth Williams Karen Karen slash is Karen not. is not a woman's woman. Mm-hmm. I think. Not as much. I think she's good. You know. Okay. Yes, yeah, she's cooking she's and doing the seek things that validation. because she's used to that wifey duty. But she's. Her validation that. is not from other women or getting close to other women. But let's um, let's wrap up this evening because it's a really important okay. evening. <laughs> yes, it yes it is. There there's a very difficult sort of gathering in the living room mm-hmm. where they begin to speak philosophically about Alex. Yes. And uh, some people are sentimental. Sam is probably the most sentimental and guilt feels a lot of guilt about not having kept up with him. And Nick is the most cynical. Right, Nick is almost—he's assholery level, right? I kind of related to Nick though, and what he says. 
He says Alex died for most of us a long time ago. That's true, though. Yeah. In a but way, not for, it's not for very Sarah true. And, and Harold. They, they're on his property, or he's on his property. Uh, somehow, Meg has is connected with uh, with Harold and Sarah, and must have by extension talked to him right before he died. Yeah, the, I'm true confession time though. Yeah, with the, our own little get-togethers. Yeah, I feel that in a way it's a selfish endeavor. <laughs> Really? Yeah. No, because we're sort of reconnecting uh, with that, um, you know, those, those those people that we were. Not that we aren't still, but yeah. I there's so much happened between point A and now point Z. <laughs> but but the, the benefit to our our reunions, and I guess we have to th- speak somewhat cryptically. So please excuse us, audience. We we, we, have we an may edit this reunion. out. I don't know. Um, whatever you feel, is that I think that our moments, as we call them, evolve. The more they evolve, the more we're able to stop acting like adolescents and to – we haven't yet had, had what I was very jealous of. I told you earlier in the day yeah, that I know what you um, mean. there are a lot of sit-downs where, where hearts are bared, and I don't think we've achieved that level yet. Here's my thing. Nick is like, you knew me then for a very short period of time relative to the rest of my life that's gone on yeah. since then. Yeah. You don't know me. You don't yeah. really know me now. You you might think you do. You knew me back then, and I, I really do – on one level, I really relate to that. And on another level, uh, um, I do feel like it's insincere to – and I'm guilty of it too, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. – I don't send out Christmas cards. I don't pick up the phone and call you guys, and and uh, you know I I come but home and I compartmentalize that. But if somebody's kid got into that. trouble, you'd get in the car like we know one would of our I, friends did, and you would. I've, yes, I've you would. Actually, since we one, you have if we we think of one of our friends, you have I done have. the right thing. Oh well, You've yeah, cut it out, but, but it you know, you know geographical proximity kind of helped in that situation. You, you but could it, have washed your hands of that because of the situation. But, you but what I'm saying is, I I actually have asked myself that question. Like, if something, if something horrible happened, would I just jump jump in the car and go? Would I be able to? Would I sacrifice the time? Would I sacrifice? If you said pissing I people off, you, at, I'd be in the car right now. Well, that makes and you a better I do person. Think than anybody I. in our party would. <laughs> hmm? That makes you a much better person than I am. I don't know. I, I think I, you, I would, don't have you would make it happen too. You'd make it clear that you're you're there for me, and you have. And I think everyone in our in our group has a, a very similar dynamic to the bond that these people have. So different circumstances, yes. I don't know. I just I kind of agree with with Nick, and I'm not just trying to keep it interesting. Yeah. Like he says, I, I do like it. Sam stands up though. He says. I, I don't know. care what you say. I love you. I love everyone here, and I'm going to keep on loving you till I kick and walks out. Which is great. And then yeah. <laughs> Karen takes, sees her chance. Karen runs after him as he's What's walking out the great you? gates. And um, <laughs> she she's just such a little – she's <laughs> she's in heat. So She um, is. <laughs> Sarah pulls Harold into the – says, can I talk to you in the kitchen? She pulls him into the pantry, gives him a very sweet kiss, and says, you know, I do love you. And then there's a, a little... It's like, good, I married you. 
<laughs> he said, well, you got me, you know, which is not the right answer, by the way. I'd just like to tell everyone out there that when somebody says I love you, well, you got me is not the right answer unless you're really solid. Okay, so they're pretty solid. And she says, I want you to do something for me. It's about Meg. Mm-hmm. We we get uh, do we get the cut back and forth between um, Sam and Karen and then well first we get a musical cue we get Aretha Franklin right. singing natural and we must point out that Carol King is responsible for that song but Aretha sings it like no other I think and eh, that's your opinion like <laughs> she doesn't sit, she doesn't her King cover of the weight is not the queen, that good. Man. Um, so Meg goes to Nick, and Nick says – he looks up at her and says, you know I don't do anything, which I thought was very spare because there are a lot of things you can do <laughs> without the without the business, I think, uh, intimacy. Yeah. And she just nods yes very soberly. I think that was just his way of saying, hey, this equipment down here doesn't work anymore, yeah. so yeah. I feel like I should tell you. you know. Yeah. Um, this is a scene I love. We, we cut to Sarah going into Meg's room to tell her the good news. But before she does, she walks into the room, closes the door behind her, and leans, into the, leans back into the door with this smile on her face, this radiant smile. This glowing Earth Mother smile. Yes. I'm about to give you something extraordinary. Yes. Meanwhile, Karen and <laughs> Sam <laughs> – or out in the woods or something. I don't know, rolling around by the trash can. Pumping on a live oak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> down on the ground. It looks messy. It looks awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're getting chiggers. But all before up that, I think he says, I want to make love to you. or I don't know what, but I can't. And uh, I can see us living out in L.A. together and all this. But, you know. And, uh, but, but, um, they they dispense with that and begin with the passion bit. Yes. Uh, then you have Harold in his very proper pajamas getting into his marital bed, right? Uh, I yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny even before that he's he's in these very proper pajamas and he's looking yes. at himself in the mirror and he's like trying to pushing f- his hair down like, his, a, like like oh, forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly nervous. Yeah. Meg comes in. She's shy, but she's wearing Sarah's robe and it's just so sweet. Yeah. So sweet. The way it's done. And she says to him, rather in a funny way, she says, I want to tell you something, but it'll come out wrong. He's like, no, no, tell me. He's sort of kneeling uh, at the side of the bed, and she's sitting on the bed. And she says, well, I feel like I got this really great deal on a used car. And he's not insulted. They both know it's just like, how can you even express this moment? You know? And, and it's, it's, just, it's really sweet because he's like, Sarah yeah. and I have always had good luck on this bed. Yeah, <laughs> and and he says it with great gravitas, like yeah. this is gonna work. Yeah, you're gonna conceive. Yeah. And um, what's happening next? Nick and Chloe. Um, th- this is a sweet scene too. Very touching scene, and I um, think this this is uh. Yeah. Oh man, I, this thing I I think watching this recently twice, again, um, I think really got me more than it had in the past. Yeah, uh, they're going through Nick's or, or, or rather Alex's items, and Chloe picks out Alex's leather jacket, and Nick's like, "Oh wow, I remember when he bought this," and he's admiring it. And then there's a cut to Chloe, 
and she's crying. She's feeling a, a depth of emotion that we didn't know until this time that she had. Yeah. Right. And uh, back to the lovemaking scene, it's it's very slow and intimate between Harold and Meg. There's nothing salacious about it. It's just this beautiful, beautiful lovemaking scene. No nudity or whatever. You know, it's just they're there for to make a baby, and it's just so sweet and lovely. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, back up. The wait, trash I have can. a musical cue. Uh, Wilson Pickett's. I'm gonna wait till the midnight hour. Oh gosh. <laughs> so I, I've written here. Everyone is having the sex. Everyone's having yep. the sex. Right. And in the meantime, Michael and Sarah are the last two sort of not ha- hooking up with anybody, and they're in front of the video camera taking a, a video of themselves. And Michael says, "I must tell you." I'm picking up vibrations in the house, and I must tell you, I'm almost certain there's sex going on around here. And then he sort of makes his compliment, and he says, did I ever tell you you have beautiful eyes? And kind of makes a move towards Sarah, and she just pushes, pushes him, him away. And, 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 you know, yeah. for dramatic effect, just lets himself, like, like flail oh, backwards. Like, you know, he knows she's a straight arrow. He's, you know, just trying he, to go but. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum is so good. He sits back up and the, he's he doesn't miss a beat, and then he talks about her tiny, yeah. such tiny feet. And yes. um, I don't know. I wonder how many takes that took because if I were Glenn Close, I'd be dying. He would just yeah, I know. Crack you you me know up. that that Jeff Goldblum is going to crack you up. So. It, yeah, just so funny. She asks him. He, throughout, we we failed to mention that that he has this sort of pipe dream, Michael of starting a club that will surpass Elaine's, which he declares is dead and is mm-hmm. looking for investors. But it's kind of half-hearted, like, is I'm going to make it big? or I don't know what he's doing with that. I think he sees the success of Sam, the financial yeah. success, and the success yeah. of Harold, and he wants a piece of that, yeah. that level of financial success yeah. and independence, yeah. so where he doesn't so, have to. So Sarah asks him about that, and he says, Oh, my God, it would be a big pain in the ass. And then somebody, some schmuck like me from People Magazine would want to interview me, and it would all just be too much and just know I'm going to go back to my novel. I'm going to write about this weekend. And then she says, and then what? He said, well, the next weekend. And, he, you know, <laughs> no, they, they sort of make a joke out of it. Um, beautiful transition scene of the sunrise over the marsh that just makes my heart beat fast. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a beautiful scene, and anybody going down to the Low Country, you you know this. And anybody who hasn't been to the Low Country, it's um it's nature, in all of its splendor. And uh, we have a musical everything cue is, with, sorry. Everything is golden. It's the word that Im- immediately, yeah. if you've been yeah. to that part of the country, it's just golden. It, it's just beautiful. We get a musical cue with I second that emotion. I second that, that emotion. emotion. If you feel like loving me, give it me the lifetime of devotion. I write, I love that Sarah is visiting Meg in the conception marital bed. <laughs> it's not it's not a wake up with Harold. It's and biblical Meg, in a way. But it's the two ladies. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 handmaid's tale stuff, you know. <laughs> well I guess. that's kinda but, but a nice one. Yeah. No, a nice one. <laughs> a nice version of Handmaid's Tale. A nice version. The pretty Where version. the women are deciding who can prove. Yes. Yes. <laughs> kind of. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is Nick cute. And Chloe are in, yeah, it is. It, and just the look they give each other, like that is a bond of love mm-hmm. that is, it's beyond. Yeah. It, there are no yes, words for it. 
and, and, and appropriately, there are no words. There's just the look between them. And you just see Harold running. You, you, you see through the window, Harold's just running off for his morning jog. Yeah, he's just warming up. It's very wholesome. The whole thing just seems very, very wholesome and natural. Yeah. For all the sex happening, it is it is wholesome. Well, um, sex is very natural. <laughs> it is. It's, a, it's what humans do and, yeah. and many other species. That's where babies all come the from. Other species. And, and Nick's sort of rooting through a lot of Alex's paperwork, like trying to maybe find clues or to figure him out. But he, uh, you don't get the sense that he's snooping, but rather trying to figure something out. It's really touching because uh, you see Chloe on the bed. Like they didn't – I don't even know if they were physically intimate in any w way, shape, or form. They just spent yeah. the night together, and it's clear that she's grieving deeply. Yes. She's not expressing – After she gives that leather jacket, there's a depth there that you just don't see in the rest of the movie. But she knows that Nick makes her feel better. Nick makes her feel safe, and she yeah. wants Nick in her presence and in around And she has no Alex's judgment things. of him, and I yeah. think he needs that too. She it thinks the world of him. Mm, yes. Yeah, from a girl on up, you know. Uh, there's an awkward good goodbye, I think, between Sam and Karen as they're they're sort of making their uh, they're packing their bags and getting <laughs> ready to go, and she puts on this completely different voice, like, "Well, maybe the kids and I can join you out in L.A. and you could show us around the studio." Richard would tickets. like that. Yeah, <laughs> tickets. You know? Sure, and he's going sure, just you know, business as usual, which is interesting. Yeah. She's kind of hostile. Like that's all I'm getting, and you're not even trying anymore. So no, no, I, no, no. What? I think it was all just they're both playing a role up to the they they needed that excuse to yeah. have sex, <laughs> working yeah. the, working up this fake romance that didn't exist. It didn't you know, exist. Some, the writing didn't exist. Yeah, the, the angst didn't exist. They both got what they wanted, and then yeah. so the next day she's like, "Yeah, so maybe Richard and I, will, the kids will come out and you'll get us tickets." Yeah, sure, no problem. And it's just Richard sort of like, would like that. And it, that's all the vitriol there with the Richard would like that. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't. I just think they both got what they wanted out of the deal. Yeah, but maybe it, it didn't uh, solve the problem. She's not going to leave her her nice little soccer mom. No, that's my existence. point. It was all just some cooked up BS thing between the two yeah. of them that they needed in order to, you know. Yeah, to play out that passion and, and see what it was. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. And so. um. So then, cut to breakfast in the kitchen, which is a big deal. Always, in, the kitchen is a very warm. An inviting and safe place in all of this, I find. I find it very comforting in the kitchen. And Michael comes in last, of course, and he said, how did everyone sleep? Did anyone sleep last night? <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick says, look what I found in Alex's paper. Um, there's much joking around with Michael. And uh, he does look at a piece that he had written, I guess, and I'm not sure in which peri in which paper, or whatever it was. It would have been admiring his style. That's very different from the. It would have been probably like the, the the paper on campus, and I think what's really interesting about this scene is that you do see these conflicts, personality conflicts between all the whole group uh, here and there, yeah. Yeah. that that would be in naturally part of. Yeah. But the the interesting thing is Nick goes to the trouble. To, he finds this article and he shares it with with Michael, who he does not have this seamless connection with. There's yeah. some antagonism going on. There, there. is. 
There and is. for him to share that with with Michael, I thought was really sweet in a way. That was. And Michael remembers who he was uh, because he's writing these – like I don't know what the word count would be for your average people magazine article, but – you know, it's clearly very formulaic and very shallow, and he's looking at this like, "Hey, I I wrote this, and this is this is pretty good." And there's a lot of talk about like, how do we do the airport and who's going where, and then there's a sort of awkward moment, and Harold chimes in and says, uh, "Nick and Chloe are going to stay and do some work at the old house." Lots of looks around, approving looks, I think. The imp definitely like, approving oh, looks. Because oh. they can't have failed to notice the chemistry going on throughout. Also, Karen's, yeah. nice that the, it seems like there's a, a moment, like a collective acceptance of Chloe, which I thought was kind of sweet. I think so, too. Like, yeah, you are different, but Your family. you are welcome. You are very welcome. Your family now. And yeah. if you can make Nick happy and settle him. Okay. Yeah. We think Nick's going to be okay. He's got to be hung up about the what happened at Vietnam and Vietnam, and he's this ultra intelligent man just slinging drugs, and you feel like he, he's going to be okay. Finally. Yeah. And 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 I do think that that Chloe will love him and just not demand a lot of him. Well, it's like the song, the weight. He's finally putting that burden down. And then, of course, we get a jokey near last line. Michael says, uh, we took a vote. We're not ever leaving. We're staying here forever, <laughs> right? And then cut right to, Jeremiah was yeah. a bullfrog. Sort of the freeze frame ending, which I had trouble with, Beth. I guess back in the day, I thought, sure, that's how movies end. Happy. Freeze frame. Song. Really? Credits. I, it starts with Jeremiah was a bullfrog and ends with Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> I didn't notice the freeze frame. I think, I it, think it was a freeze frame. I guess I have to go back. I think and it look, just transitioned it had that to sort of sitcom freeze frame end of the episode. I thought it went to rolling credits with a black background. I could be. You know wrong. what? You might be right. Maybe there was movement, but it. I don't know. It just seemed too pat. And sure enough, uh, doing my my tiny bit of research that I did today. Uh, at the end of that, there was supposed to be a flashback to 1968 where Nick and Sam and Alex are sharing an apartment. And apparently they went through the trouble of setting up in Atlanta the interior, the set with the beaded curtains. Oh, wow. And the appropriate political posters and the furniture of the era. And Kevin Costner in that scene looking like uh, they described him as, as sort of a, a straggly James Dean lookalike in, in that. And I can't. For all that Alex, the way they explain Alex, I can't see Kevin Costner in that role. I but, can't either. Uh, but but I guess the decision was made that it doesn't fit. It'd be great for a prequel. It it would be great for a prequel. I don't think Costner – I think at the time Costner yeah. probably looked much younger than – because he Silverado comes out after this movie. Hang on. I think yeah. it came out in 86. Let me check. Yeah. I'm not saying that these folks look old, but they, they look no. age appropriate. 85. So the, Silverado came out tears after this. Yeah. Well, you would compare you would compare Kevin Costner's birthday with uh, 
Well, look, he was born in, in 1955, so he would have been younger. He would have been in his 20s at, at the time that this takes place, which is in the present. It's in the year that it came out, right? Because they're talking about 15 years since they've seen each other. Yeah, um, Klein was born in 47. Klein is yeah. a true baby boomer. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of difference in yeah. age there. unless. Uh, and also the way they've described Alex, I, I can't think of an actor who would embody that, but this sort of genius physics mess with passions and, and a, a broody side, it's just not how I, I picture Kevin Costner. No, no, it would have been. So I think that was a good editorial decision yes but it would be interesting i'd accept a prequel i yeah a prequel would be pretty cool i think i i love the uh, opening credits the way that's done the snap all the little touches as they're they're prepping yes alex for his big day yes (laughs) the thumb over the cross of the the oxford shoes you know getting ripening the little just there's something um, really the tie straightening it and precise up and crisp about all of the hand movements in, yeah. in that. And and also that the reveal the the blade marks. Yes, the blade marks that've been stitched up. Yeah. And how limp the hand is, which it, did you notice that? That it's always struck limp, me. But I know you go through rigor mortis, but then that eases out, so you are yes, pliant it does. by yeah. that time. So very pliant, very pliant, but. Um, the hand model or whoever whomever was the stand-in for that. Just, yeah. uh, your arm definitely portrayed dead very well. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yes, it was it, a model. Yes, it did. And uh, um, no face shot, which I think was a good move. You saw the hair, and I believe did, that was Kevin Costner's hair. They made sure not to get a full face, so I think that was a very good move. Mm. I mean, that would be clearly dead. But, so but we the, knew with the hand, the hand, or the wrist, rather. So in the circle of friends, and this struck me, I think the first time I, I think I've, I've watched it uh, almost three times recently. Yeah, I've watched it several times before, but yeah. this time when I started watching it, and they're they're pulling into the funeral, I started thinking about the links between the relationships. So, who do you think? Now, now he says in the eulogy, he says Alex brought us all together. But that doesn't really feel legitimate to me for some reason because I feel like Harold has some sort of connection with Nick. I I feel like the backstory that they cut, because I did read a little bit about that, is that at least three of them were roommates. Mm. And maybe he was with the activism or or who knows what um, or sex, drugs and rock and roll or whatever was going on at the time. If you're roommates, and, and we have this this knowledge very acutely, don't we, how how close roommates can become if you've got yeah. a, a house full of roommates. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm and I'm glad we, you know, Sam and I have experienced that, that communal type bohemian oh, lifestyle yeah. uh, for real in our, in our youth, our misspent youth. And things youth. are forged there that just cannot be created later in life i don't think your own oh, age crazy but great yeah. memories <laughs> yeah um really good memories i'm glad uh, uh, i always look back on that time with with a certain 
Yeah. Fondness. And there's something about um, historic friends. They knew you when. And if you have the the good fortune to to meet up with them again and 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 to really spend some quality time again and and they knew you when and they know you now. You, you know, know it's, New York. It's a beautiful, you know New York. <laughs> you know you need you need New York. It's uh it's a beautiful thing, I think. Now yeah. I was trying to think, who am I in all this? And you think I'm Michael. <laughs> no, I was teasing you that like the joke that you always said about whenever I pack I bring like thirty pairs of underwear. And the fact that That's only you, because I had to borrow that. You have clean legitimately slept in a, a sports yeah. car bed. And he sleeps I did. in a, in uh, a at airplane The first bed. one of our reunions at our dear friend Suze's, I got the little boy's bed. So I was, Michael, definitely sleeping in a little race car bed. <laughs> up. But I was happy there, Suze. I, I liked it a lot. But so. but I could, it was so funny because I hadn't thought of the big chill scene in his little airplane. So watching this again, I, I did chuckle heartily. I don't know who I would relate to most because uh, there's nobody who is me, me, you know. No, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anybody who's you, you, at all. And of the men or the women. No, and and I'm trying to look at the men. Maybe at first I thought maybe I'm Nick. Um, yeah, I relate some, to some of Nick's attitudes, yeah. just the judginess. <laughs> it's funny that I'm going to the men. I know I'm not oh, Sam. Even though I am so Sam, but I'm not of other people. Yeah, because he's just. Uh, I'm man. definitely not Karen with her prissy. No, you're not Karen. I don't know. Uh, Karen. I'd like to be Sarah. I thought she was the most upstanding of all. I think of all the characters, Sarah is certainly the most idealized character. Yeah, she has depth. She has compassion. She has passion. She has altruism, for God's sake. She's, she is the character. I'm still stuck on like who knew who. You know the the scenes with the running the the night of the the evening of the funeral after the reception. Yeah. Harold goes off for a run and he goes, "Hey, you coming?" And Nick looks That's at him early like morning, by the way. Early morning. Was it? Was yeah. it? Or was it? Yeah. Because mm. after the reception and all that, they would have been beaten. All that. Uh, there's a dinner and you know. They, I don't know. I th I think because we see him the next morning, we see him the very the, next. The jog morning. is the, an early morning jog with that early morning fog. Yes, but Trust the night me. the night before he's like you you coming, and it looks like it's dusk. Because the very next the very next morning he's running with Nick and Nick's got his jeans and his sweatshirt on. Yes, he does. Completely unacquainted with this this exercise but he so. but he but he tells him like the first time he asks him he's like you're kidding right nick's like are you, you're kidding but then he <laughs> he goes out the next morning and, and runs with him he does he so does I got this, you're right i got this feeling like maybe this was something they did when they were in their 20s like well, hey let's go out for a jog you know yeah. the two of them well, i don't know or because of his business mm -hmm. athletic shoes he's he's mr mr exercise man yeah and and this is clearly not Nick's lifestyle. He's eating badly and having drugs for breakfast and yeah. coffee and cigarettes, you know. But uh, I, I, you really see Harold looking out. You know, he's not he's not looking out after Michael and his club. He's not worried about Sam. But he no, but he, he's very he's he takes Nick under yeah. his wing. Yeah. So there is he a tells him something there. that could get him all kinds of trouble and in jail. 
and there's a closeness, obviously, between Sarah and and Meg that we know about. Yes. Yes. And we know that Sam Sam and Nick were Sam, tight. I can't quite peg in the group because he seems a little different. He, I, I can't see him in his activist mode, but maybe he's the friend that just sort of hangs along and okay let's go to the rally or whatever well <laughs> or the concert or the whatever it is one of the things that she does say that in and it probably is true because he is he does have a successful career in tele- television is he had yeah. he's yeah. a guy that had charisma maybe there wasn't a lot of uh, depth yeah. there yeah but, he's probably game for anything but certainly energetic and spoke yeah. well publicly yeah. at these rallies but whose friend is karen karen is meg's Okay. Yeah. Because that whole scene with the eggs, <laughs> it's just hilarious. To yeah, me. clearly they have a, a close enough almost sibling relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you kind of get the idea that um, Harold and Harold probably was dating Sarah, and that's how Sarah met, meets the other two. Or uh, Meg is. Meg has this tight relationship between friendship between Nick and Sam that seems to be yes, established. Does. Meg has is has probably loved it was the sixties, man. Probably there was a lot of swapsies and stuff going on. Well, we know that she never has between those two guys. She never has. I think she has with Nick. Mm, does she say she Because she goes to Nick first. Oh. Like that'll be a sure thing. Well, could be. So the guys are roommates, and then I can see, I can see, uh, Meg being roomies with with Karen, and the reason why they know Sarah is probably because Harold is dating Sarah. Yes, and that's how Michael's, they all. And Michael certainly dated Meg at some point. Yeah, or knew the guys something. Yeah. Yeah. And we know from the cutout scene that that Nick, Alex, and Sam were roommates at some point. Yes. So the guys. I'd love are... to see that cutout footage if it's if it's available. We got that all sorted. I feel so much better now. <laughs> I do too. I mean, gosh, there's a lot to unpack here. There's something special about those bonds, and there is some sort of growth that you do experience, and I think you can't see it when you're 22 and you're filled with all of these wonderful ideas about changing the world and idealistic thoughts and um and then you know life and age and circumstances encroach and you do not have the freedom to be a full-time activist right you don't yeah but i i guess i'm looking at it more from the friendship standpoint it's like i don't think it's right for us to box it into one little compartment yeah, for five days out of you know three hundred and sixty-five, I just don't. I feel like that's a. You know, we need to do better than that, frankly. Yeah, yeah. We need I to agree. do better than that. And and if you, to any of our listeners, if you have friends that you've been friends with, don't don't relegate it to just like Facebook posts or emails. No, make it happen. That goes for family too, for crying out loud. As we come up on um. The hellscape that is known as, for some people, is known as Thanksgiving because I know it's 
It's a dreadful I, time of year for some I, people. I have offered to cook all of the Thanksgiving meal. In a fit of, uh, of, <laughs> of generosity, I said, I would like to cook for everyone. But that was a whole month ago, and I'm like a dog with no sense of time. Like, that will never happen. <laughs> Two fucking days. Oh, my God. But, um, uh, I'll be down in Beaufort where this was shot, thinking about the big chill. It is definitely a, I think, a very good film for this time of year. Yes. And I'm it, glad it, we're dropping it on Thanksgiving. It, it's a great film. Um, it's a great film for Thanksgiving. It's a great film for November. And it's a great film to give you food for thought about those people who really would leave a void in your life if they were to drop out and to to think about who made an impact on you and why don't you rekindle that if you've dropped away from one another yeah and drop the digital veneer when you're in yeah. when you're in someone's presence drop the Be digital real. veneer ha- have real conversations yeah don't put distractions in the way Hang out and smoke pot. No, <laughs> but I mean, I I do love that about this film is that because it reminded me so much of when you know Winona laying yeah. on the floor staring at the ceiling. When, Winona was our first apartment. Yeah, my first apartment experience where bullshit. Uh, the three girl, three late, three of us lived together, and there was drama. Sure, there was. We used to talk. We about, talked deeply. Yeah. A lot of things, and listen. We used to listen, and uh, I Boy, do. We're, we're good listeners. I just feel so that the compartmentalization of social media is is awful. It's now, you just want awful. your bite-sized pieces poor, in social poor media, fine, but don't let that bleed into the real presence of, yeah. of, of your interactions. Put the fucking phone away. Put the fucking phone away. Put the fucking laptop away. Pick up the phone. Answer your phone. All kinds of things that we could be doing. Yeah. Real human interaction. Let's let's bring it back, damn it. <laughs> we're we're here to tell you it's back and we're it's, gonna make sure about that. We'll, we'll be, and it's we, better we than never. You all are and we'll be checking up on you. That's right. <laughs> Please you don't have go your homework. Away. We won't. <laughs> yeah. Get real have, with everyone. Have a real human inter- interaction this Thanksgiving. Um if, if Facebook went away tomorrow, who would leave a hole in your heart? Anybody? Mm. Yeah. Some people may face that with that other platform. If you guys, uh, you know, we haven't we haven't done the call to action in a while. Oh, we haven't. Um, and uh, wh- I don't know why not, but we have a very um, vibrant. But we're a little bit like Tinkerbell in that the more applause we get, the more um, alert and excited we become, like super excited. Right. And we do have a very strong presence on Instagram, and our handle there is Pudpod. P-U-D-D-P-O-D, Instagram. Our DMs are open. Our DMs are open. We welcome you. And uh, we have an email account, and our handle there is celluloidpudding, all one word, at gmail.com. And we do have a Twitter presence. Whatever that means today, I don't know, Beth. Is there a Twitter? It's just kind of floating out there. I'll be posting it until everything crashes and burns, but it'll be fun. Um, okay. So it's celluloid pudding p u d d n on Twitter. If you if there's a movies, a certain movies that you want us to cover, let us yeah. know. If you have any insults you want to send our way, feel free. 
<laughs> if you have any words of encouragement, we'd love to hear them. But reach but, out to us but, on but social media. But here's a real uh, call to action and an appeal. Um, sometimes, Beth, today I was having a, a low moment. I was thinking, man, our one-year anniversary of doing this is coming up next month. And for those who don't know, we don't we don't get paid for this. We just pour our souls out every week, and we do the best damn job we we can. We we give a lot of thought here, and God, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear anything from you. That just reeks do DM us. Reeks of desperation. I, w- I am desperate. <laughs> by God, I want to well, hear no, something back. I'll, I'll tell you what. It's been an it's been an interesting year, and we'll talk about this later because we are coming up on our one year anniversary. But yes, I think. Actually, the one year of just working on potting the format, getting used to uh, all the bells and whistles that we have to use to put an episode together. Oh, yeah. That's good. Editing, how to line up guests, how to do that, how to put certain um, production into episodes. But I think next year our focus is going to be growing our listenership. So, guys, if you're listening – Spread the word about our podcast. Let people know that we are a movie podcast out here. Tell them about our style. We're definitely grassroots here, so word of mouth. We don't have any um, – Yeah. we we haven't taken on ads. We we feel like that would compromise our – I don't know, the feel. But that's our, our number one task for next year is growing the listenership. Yeah. We'd like to reach you. Uh, we, we do think about that international audience, and we're we're blown away by that, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and we think about our national audience, and and we hope that we bring at least something that gives you food for thought each time we 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 appear. And and I think we've been, with I think one exception, we've been here every week. Yeah, and we want to be here for you. <clears throat> yes, we do, and we've been uh, we've been dropping consistently. So yeah. speaking of food, guys. Yes. Don't don't eat too much this Thursday. We know you will. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why would you have said that? That's the glutton day. All right. Enjoy the time this week if you're spending it with your family. If you, you don't celebrate. get the time back, whatever small yeah. bickers there are, they don't matter at the deathbed. Okay? Think of the love. And we are so thankful that we have you as listeners. We're so thankful for an audience. We'd like to wish you all, however you celebrate it, uh, whether you want to go out to dinner, whether you're doing the big whole traditional fare or uh, Italian style or uh, Filipino style or or whatever you do for your Thanksgiving or you just have a movie day um, and and get a little peace because it's a holiday, um, stay safe and enjoy that day. So, guys, take care. Watch something different. Read something new. Look after each other. Yep. Look after each other. Happy Thanksgiving. Good night.